right, we're recording. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Float Universe podcast. Glad to have you with us today. Uh, you've been waiting for this one for a long time. A lot of the longtime listeners of the account have seen me posting uh, content from this person for quite a long time. I think it's been maybe three or four years now. Uh, he has three books now at this point that I know of. Uh, the first one is called DMT in My Cult Mind, and it's uh, from 2017, and that is a whopping 660 pages. This book is a brick. The second book is DMT in My Occult Mind Part 2, uh, and that's in 2019. I think this is just the the trips that he didn't include in the first one. And these are the more epic and uh, things he has to talk about, things that had more information in them. And finally, the third book, and I think this is where everybody maybe should start, and maybe the only book available right now, is the DMT and my, and my Occult Mind Light. And it's probably one-sixth of the original book. So the man who, I, I mean, I, I guess at this point, has probably smoked DMT over a thousand times. Uh, so glad to have you finally. Dick Kahn, welcome to the Float Universe podcast. How are you this uh, morning for, on your end? Absolutely wonderful. Thank you very much for inviting me to, to be here, Float. I'm, I'm so happy. I'm delighted to be here. It's, uh, it's quite an honor because um, I see you as a, an Instagram meme legend. Well, thank you. And, and you're part of that. Uh, you're, you have been a big part of my little circus going on on Instagram. And I, I was actually reading one of the books that... And trying to get your book out uh, initially, you went, I mean, you went, you went extensively exhausted, so many connections, and you spent so much time reaching out to, uh, to groups online. And you finally found, I guess, your, your, your home with uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I guess more importantly, Instagram, because I think a lot of us, man, I think we're all like this group of people who have found each other through psychedelics and memes online. Oh, do you know, I mean, out of all the three platforms, Instagram is by far my favorite. I, I really love the format, but I, I've been banned sort of twice. And after my second ban, because I've been pretty much inactive for, it must be over 12 months. After my second ban, I, I, I kind of got introduced to ketamine. And um, yeah, I, I kind of took to it. We had a bit of a relationship. And uh, so that that was one reason for, you know, uh, uh, a length of absence from Instagram, but yeah, it's by far my most favorite platform, despite the bands. And and that's been one of the things with you, besides being the fact that I mean, geez, I the only person I know that's ever smoked a thousand uh, DMT a thousand times. But yeah, more importantly, you know, we've been dealing with censorship over the past year with politics, but you have been dealing with this. I mean, you're one of the main accounts I've watched over the years that have dealt exclusively with one thing: psychedelics, DMT specifically, and uh, educating. Uh, putting content out there, trying to, to sell your book and uh, educate people about DMT. And it's been very frustrating to get you up to, I think, what was the highest amount of followers you had on that first or second account? Because I, we kept, we kept uh, reposting your stuff and boosting and trying to boost you and then you get killed. So what was like the highest amount of followers you had on one of those accounts? I think it was about um, seven and a half thousand. And I think that, I think it was the first or second, maybe the second, uh, but yeah, I was up to seven and a half. And then, um, you know, I, I got to put my hands up. I, I was... I was not using the platform in accordance with community guidelines. I'm not talking about the stuff I was posting. That was kind of, I guess I have to be honest, that's kind of like spamming people to, you know, I, I was all about advertising my book. So I was like sending multiple messages and obviously it flagged upon their algorithms. And uh, yeah, you know, I, I had to suffer a ban. I mean, well, that, you, you really think that the, the spamming was, I mean, I, I guess that was a, a means to an end, a justification to get rid of you. But I think it was about, there was a certain point where you couldn't, ta you couldn't tag DMT, you couldn't tag uh, certain psychedelic names. And to do that, 
would be sticking your head out to get chopped off. And I, I, I feel like that if we had an Instagram that was free and we could talk about the things we wanted to talk about, who knows where you'd be right now? I think you'd be at, at over 100,000 followers. But then again, I tell you, one time I had the, the psychedelics tell me, I said, well, why don't I have more followers on Instagram? And the, the, I think it was LSD said, it's like, you look, you couldn't, you couldn't handle more followers than you have right now. You're dealing with very sensitive uh, information. And uh, it's just not in your, uh, it's not in your current well-being right now to, to have 100,000 followers. So sometimes I think uh, the good Lord is looking out for us by not putting us in those positions that we can't handle. Because I know that was one of your concerns also when you published the book I was reading, that you were really concerned that uh, the deep state was out there watching you and they were going to be knocking on your door when you published the book. Yeah, that's true. Honestly, I uh, genuinely gave thought to having published the book that the very next morning, the police might be sort of beating on or beating down my door. And uh, it, it probably sounds like, you know, a, a state of paranoia, but I genuinely did not because I had no real, I had no presence on social media but I had been buying obviously lots of back and I had been doing lots of online research into DMT. And I guess maybe that, that flagged up somewhere. Plus um, my name, I mean, my surname is Khan. I, my, my wife is from Pakistan and I, I elected to legally change my name because I knew it would make my, my Muslim wife happy. So I, I guess that flagged up for, you know, I'm white British, but a name changed to a Muslim name. I, I guess I flagged up somewhere in terms of, you know, um, uh, concern about uh, terrorist stuff. So I, I don't know. I, maybe there's a little file on me somewhere, but nothing, uh, you know, nothing really exciting other than the DMT research. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, what is the other thing? First time I came across your content, I'm like, <clears throat> Dick Con, like what an epic name. Hold on. <clears throat> Let me clear my throat here. No, but yeah, the first time I came across your name, I'm like, oh my God, Dick Con. Like, what kind of guy is this? Like, an epic guy? Like, I was like, that can't be the guy's real name. So I'm, I'm assuming. No, Dick I, I, there's a st I mean, with, with before, I was like, oh, what am I going to call myself? I don't want to call myself, like, you know, my real name for obvious reasons. And, like, you know, I know some authors writing about occult matters, they put a lot of thought into the name and it's got hidden meanings and this and that. And I, I tried to come up with something around that kind of notion. And, and in the end, I thought, you know, what, I'm going to keep it simple. And, and the biggest influences on my life have been my late dad and, and my wife. And my dad was actually from a different generation. He was um, the youngest of 15 children. So when he was christened, uh, 1922, his, his dad was drunk and... Um, you know, when the vicar said, what are we going to call this one, William? He said, we, we call him Dick. And obviously it didn't have the phallic connotations that it has now. But yeah, my, my dad's genuine first name was Dick. Okay, interesting. I was just like, wow, what an epic name for a guy that smoked DMT at the time over 600 times. Now, how many times now at this recording? It is uh, 2021, March. What's today? March uh, 23rd? Yeah. 23rd, yep. Yes, sir. So how many times have you smoked DMT up to this point? Do you think? I, I'm estimating it's, it's not a thousand. I'm estimating it somewhere like 700, 750. Um, I, I mean, I was never chasing a number. Uh, and I, I got to be honest, I mean, since publishing DMT and My Occult Mind 2, I, I have not pursued NNDMT with anywhere near as much frequency as, as I, I had done, you know, when I was really going at it. But, you know, I have started um, researching with toad medicine and 
just recently and uh yeah so maybe clock up some numbers there but i'm it's not me chasing numbers and the vice article that came out you know i mean it was the author of the vice article that asked me how many times and i and i quoted it and he, he chose to put that as the title yeah no i mean i looked at the books i'm like well there's like 600 uh 660 pages and 300 in the other one i said well maybe it's like you know, it's like close to a thousand, but yeah, I, I figured it was somewhere between 600 and a thousand. And I know you talked about a lot of times you would take DMT and nothing would happen. Would you record, would you count that as one of your numbers or no? So what springs to mind when you ask that question is there was, there was a month, it was a solid month where, and that changed nothing, but I was producing crystals and I, I prefer to do frequent small extractions because I wanted the crystals fresh because I I'd found when I first started that the, the crystals if you're accessing them frequently they can lose the potency quite quite quickly you know over a period of weeks and there was this month where I was producing crystals and they smelled potent you know it was that wonderful sort of synthetic mothball smell and yeah when I came to smoke the crystals there was no effects whatsoever and that was really frustrating and i changed the back i changed all the the chemicals i've been using I'd, I'd not done anything any different and and i had to come to this ridiculous conclusion that something unseen was stealing the potency out of my crystals just just you know before i got a chance to smoke them i, I don't know but not all my uh, experiences were breakthroughs i mean there were times where I was aiming for a breakthrough and I wouldn't get a breakthrough. And the times when I was just aiming to, you know, uh, sub, sub dose, sub um, breakthrough doses, and I get far more than I bargained for, you know, I mean, that's the thing with, with this substance, you never really know what's going to happen. Well, yeah, a few things. Um, <clears throat> interestingly enough, I have a DMT pen that I have been holding on to in preparation for this. And I've also been scared to death, to be honest, I've done, Prior to working up to this interview, I'd probably done DMT about six times, seven times, maybe three or four with a real true breakthrough. And half of those times are just horrific. And you know, when you have one of those experiences, it's very hard to want to come back to it. Uh, you're just so, you, you recognize the power. Basically, it was telling me if I keep going further, I'm going to keep unlocking the power of my own nightmares, right? So like your personal subjective uh, horrible experience. I don't want to go into that. So I, I put it down for like probably two and a half, three years. And we've been going back and forth so long with this. I'm like, I need to get back in the zone. Uh, somebody, so I got it. I acquired a pen. And what really what I was worried about was what you just mentioned. Um, I didn't realize that they basically lose their strength over time that they can become inert. And another thing you mentioned about, you, you know, it sounded like you were basically locked out. The DMT had locked you out for whatever reason. I've learned with psychedelics a lot of times with mushrooms in particular, if they don't want me to have a lesson or if they want me to have a lesson, it doesn't matter if it's five grams or 0.5 grams, they're going to give me what I need. And sometimes being locked out of the experience is what I need, uh, whether I need to take a break or whether there's just nothing to be learned right now at this point. Uh, I'm, for whatever reasons, the mushrooms say is, it's enough and we're not going to, you can eat as much grams of mushrooms as you want. You can eat five grams and nothing will happen. So maybe, I know for whatever reason you were locked out, but it's very true. Um, what I've learned with this pen, it does seem to get like it's, it's become a little bit less over time. But uh, thank you, though. I was reading the book and just reading the book after two, two and a half, three years of not smoking any DMT, being terrified of it, having so much access to it, having people give it to me. And then I'm like, you know what? Six months later, I give it to someone else because I just don't have the nerve to do it. 
And I'd just rather, I know it'll come back to me if I'm a good steward of the psychedelics. So I'm always keeping them flowing. If I can't use them, I keep them moving. And uh, so I was starting to read the books, getting into the mindset of, you know, wanting to interview you. Uh, so many people in my life were passing away that I wanted to interview. I'm like, I got to interview this guy before something happens to him, before he, just disa- <laughs> before he disappears, yeah. before he goes to jail or something. And so I started reading the book and I was so inspired by just, I mean, basically your books are gl- glorified uh, trip experiences. They're trip reports uh, for the most part uh, with a little bit of conclusion afterwards and, and, and throughout as well, um, some commentary. But I got so inspired remembering the good dmt trips the the fantastical nature of it that i was i just i said you know what i've got this pin here it's losing its power over time i've mm. got this interview i want to get done these books are sitting here i need to read them uh this this, this is I, I can just feel the amazingness i've always had a good connection with you and uh i just i pulled the pin out and i said you know what fuck it i don't care what happens i don't care if i get brought into hell i'm gonna just do it and i had i took I, I, uh, let's see uh two or three days ago, I just started doing it again. And the trips were amazing. And it was like, I I was being initiated. And they were like, welcome back. We're glad you had the courage to come back. It does take a lot of courage to come back to DMT once you've experienced the dark side of it. And and you mentioned that a lot too, in your interviews. It's like, if you would have had a bad experience up front, you maybe would have never gone back to it. True. Yeah, absolutely. So that being said, why, uh, how did, uh, because I know we mentioned this before uh, we started talking uh, if you want to hear the whole backstory on Dick, there's like, how many podcasts have you done at this point? I think it's probably about a dozen, something like that. Yeah. So if you go on iTunes and you just type in Dick Con, you will find at least five or six current from the past year uh, interviews with Dick. If you want to hear like his whole life story, we're not going to get into that because I've got so many questions from you guys that we have to ask him. And uh, so real quickly, how did you decide to... What, 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 why did you decide to start smoking DMT? Like, where did, where did this idea come from? Just up one night on um, uh, a legally purchasable research chemical that, that would keep me up, you know, all night or all weekend. Just chanced upon the Spirit Molecule documentary and it just, it just blew my mind. It, it's like it really spoke to me and I knew immediately I have to try the Spirit Molecule. And, and from then it was like lots of online research acquired the back, the back sat in the cupboard for several months while I continued doing online research, reading uh, trip reports. And then when I was uh, ready I, uh, to extract, I, I, um, I extracted, uh, I, I had a um, psychedelic experience with some magic truffles because it had been many years since I had a you know, strong psychedelic experience. That went really well. And I said, all right, let's do it. And I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I, it took me a couple of times to get the extraction right because I'd, I was looking at a, a recipe that had since been, you know, withdrawn or say, you know, don't follow this one, follow this one. And then I got the the crystals and I, you know, I didn't know there was a, an art in smoking them. I, I didn't know what to do. And uh, yeah, you know, um, first dose wasn't a breakthrough dose, but you know, it, 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 it really amplified the volume and intensity of uh, tinnitus, which I've, I've always had throughout my life. You know, I'm, I'm very comfortable with it. Uh, it being such a significant part of my early childhood, that, that, that tinnitus and, and the DMT, you know, increased the volume of it and the frequency of it. it I was like enamored by DMT straight away. My wife was watching over me and 
she said, look, leave it alone now. You've tried it. I was like, no way. This is unbelievable. And, and that's like, you know, the start of a, I don't want to say a love affair, but very enamored by, by the substance, the experiences and, and, and where it's taking us, I guess. Well, let me, let me ask you this. I find this common with people who do psychedelics, then especially people are in the spotlight with them, like Terrence McKenna, for example. I think the ch- mushrooms chose Terrence. Now, I think, uh, and I don't think this was asked. I listened to a lot of podcasts. I don't think I heard anybody ask you this. Do you think DMT chose you? Do you know what? Before, before I'd sort of come across the Spirit Molecule documentary, I, I, and I've always felt, it always felt like I've got something to give. I, I was, there was something, I, you know, I'm not saying I felt special or anything like that. Not at all. I'm very much a, a product of a working class background, but I always felt there was something that I, I could do or should do or was maybe supposed to do. So if I sit here and say, yeah, DMT chose me, I, I feel like I'm probably putting myself up on a pedestal and I don't feel comfortable with that. But I, I would say that I'm probably one of thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands that, 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 D, the DMT or rather the, the hidden realms that, that we can see do speak to. I mean, you know, some people, they hear about DMT, the spirit molecule, no interest in it. You know, it's psychedelics, I'm not interested. Other people hear it like me and it's like, wow, that now I'm, my ears are like tuned into that. So to some extent, yes, but not singling myself out as, you know, anybody special at all. Yeah, no, that's what I like about you is you are extremely humble. You're honest, which is, I think, a, a prerequisite for being on this podcast is you've reached some level of honesty where being honest is more important than your ego. Uh, this truth has to come out. This experience has to be told. Damn your wife. Damn your kids. But it's really not that, though. You've been able to maintain. And so that's one of my other questions is, okay, you've smoked DMT. You've acquired it, which is interesting, too, because everybody I know got inspired by either two things. Joe Rogan, which I know you're not a big fan of, uh, or maybe you've changed on that. I don't know. But Joe Rogan is a big uh, one for people. And then obviously the Rick Strassman, the, the book or the documentary, that was a lot of people's entry into DMT. Uh, yeah. So do you still feel the same way about Joe? I mean, I know you probably don't even like to mention his name. But... You know, do, you know what? I, I, do you know what? It's just for whatever reasons on a, on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis, my life has just never sort of directed me to a Joe Rogan podcast and I'm not against him. I just, at all, I just, um, and I should, because I know the popular, I think that the Paul Stamets one, and um, I know there's a, a whole host of podcasts that are Rogan podcasts I should tune into, but for whatever reason, I, um, I've just not gone down that path. And I mean, one day maybe I will, but I, I you know, I've never said I'm against him at all. Nothing like that. You right, know? right. If, if he invited me on the show, I'd, I'd probably have to decline because... You know, I have to be, um, you know, I'm, I'm not promoting myself. You know, I'm not here putting my face out. I'm, I'm promoting the substance and an esoteric interpretation of the substance. And, you know, this is something that I have to sort of hide away from my uh, employer, uh, you know, and uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, so, no, I totally get yeah. that. I don't have the family you have, but I do have this. I'm sitting here relatively publicly in my float center. I don't talk about it too much for that reason. But uh, there's all kinds of people out there that are attracted to your energy, good or bad. And uh, people who that don't understand the nature of DMT. It's, it's an illegal drug. Now, I don't want to switch gears too much here, but 
do you see what's the reason why do you think it's illegal you know it's not dangerous you've done it hundreds of times you seem like a normal person uh i have never heard anybody die from it so i mean it's pretty i think it's pretty obvious why it's illegal but i wanted to ask you why do you think dmt is illegal i think it's dmt is illegal just because it's psychedelic and psychedelic since i think the 1970s or late yeah 19 early 70s in this country psychedelics have been illegal and i think it's just just part and parcel of that so i think um what would be interesting is if if society could get a discussion with government if if we could just have that grown-up discussion around drug use generally and, and psychedelics i th i think that would be really interesting and uh, you know the idea behind legislation with with drug use is it's to prevent harm to self and harm to society but you kind of like look at the the, the alcohol culture um, what happens there and you see so much harm to individuals and so much harm to wider society and, and, and that's obviously you know culturally accepted and, and legally sound but I don't know I mean I, I, I do wonder whether gov governments at some level realize that what psychedelics will generally do is waken people up to influences upon their psyche in, in, including government propaganda and make people question you know powers no, yeah, cultures you know power structures and i think that's probably where the the worry of governments resides yeah, no, that's the answer I was basically thinking. It's a threat to the power structure and you wake up and it's like, okay, well, I don't need to participate in this corrupt upside down power structure anymore. I can live my own life and create my own roadshow and, and that's what you're doing. So I love that. So yeah. you're doing all these, uh, so you started smoking initially. Your wife's like, okay, you got it. You're done. You obviously know the power of it. You didn't have a bad trip off the bat. So you're ready to go deeper. And it's like, it's really enthusiastic to want to do it when you have those good trips. Now, how do you, how do you, I mean, you acquire it online. You, 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 how long does it take to perform an extraction? Do you, do you do that in the kitchen with your wife there? Do you, do you wait till she leaves? How does that work? Mm, so I've done, because I was doing small extractions frequently. You know, I, I've had my wife around me in the kitchen when I'm doing it. I, I had my sort of children, you know, coming in and out of the, the kitchen, you know, as they're coming in from playtime or going out for playtime. I mean, you know... It, it's very easy you know the the bark is readily available online because it's uh it's been commonly used as a, a dye stuff um and i mean you know you can extract dmt in under 24 hours if you really want i mean i, I don't kind of race it you know i'm just let the chemicals do the work so to speak but you know, it's, um, I guess I have to say it's such an easy process. It's, it's, you know, it's probably more difficult to bake a cake and you get uh, so many people come into me, you know, and that, you know, can you get me some deal? Like, look, man, you know, look into it, you know, you can extract your own, everything's available online. And, you know, I, I think, I think a lot of people just, you know, they want it, they want it put in front of them, but I've always preferred to extract it myself. I think, you know, you take responsibility for, for procuring the substance and then you're more responsible for the outcome of the, ex well, that's you know, the thing too. You have, you, you have, 
you have your energy in it when you make it yourself. I always get this with the psychedelics. I'm taking mushrooms and I had a bad trip one time and I could, the, the, I could feel the energy of the guy that grew the mushrooms laughing at me. Like, you bitch, you took too much. Ha ha ha. <laughs> so it's always better, I find, to grow it yourself or to you know, manufacture or, in your case, uh, synthesize it, I guess would be the term. So you, you're doing this and you're having these ecstatic, fantastic, out of this world experience and your wife doesn't want to uh, join you? Uh, my wife has no interest in psychedelics. I, I should quickly add that I, before I started with the DMT, I um, I was buying legally researchable uh, chemicals and there was a, a, an analog of MDA, not MDMA, but MDA. And oh, it was really, these tablets were so potent. And long story short, my wife said, oh, okay, I'll try it. And we stayed up all night and I think I managed to get three tablets down i had three tablets myself and you know we were up the next sunday morning and the children woke up and they were very young and they come downstairs my wife's there you know like oh i love you blah 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 and, and in the end the children sort of said mom stop talking and no, she's, not, she's not touched anything since it's, it's not really a cup of tea and and i get that you know and um that's fine. Why it's just I just find that so interesting that you can be having these experiences that are just because I know what they are, and that's another thing about the people I interviewed. I'd say probably half the people I interview you have haven't done DMT or haven't done it enough to really understand, and you can't understand the nature of it. I mean, after seven hundred times, do you understand DMT at this point? Uh, me, I, I genuinely don't think I've scratched the surface. I think this is a a deep, deep mystery. I, I've maybe made some progress in under coming to some personal understanding as to what I believe the breakthrough experience is, but I'm not here saying I'm a, a professor of DMT. I don't think any of us are, to be honest. It's such well, see, a deep mystery. That's what I love about you is I'm not big, a big fan of mainstream and mainstream science and, and somebody giving me a stamped opinion of what I should believe. I like, you're like me. And this is one of the reasons I think we resonate. I'm here. I'm here every day. I've been doing it for years, performing experiments on myself with the float tank, with psychedelics, with other people, with the nature of reality, everything you can imagine I could get my hands on. Any way I could push my finger into the wall of reality and try to have it leave a dent and push back. I've, I've always been doing that. So somebody who like, like you that has been just doing this, self-published, determination, courage, um, like you're truly living the psychedelic experience, uh, I know, because I'm living it myself. So... You have some rules here I was reading in your book. You've got, you had three rules initially. Ensure that the research did not impact adversely on your family or your family responsibilities. Ensure that it didn't uh, impact adversely on your vocational responsibilities and to be truthful. And that's what I also like. Like I said, you know, what that, that's what we have in common, which is I'm going to tell you my experience. Uh, it may not exactly be what your experience, but I'm going to be honest, good or bad, and then I'm going to let you decide. So I, I guess your rules have kept you I mean, the yeah, other and I'm, 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 yeah, I'm particularly proud of that, that sort of third one, you know, I, I didn't want to embellish or take any sort of literary license. I thought, look, just, just, just tell it how it is. And, you know, I mean, the second one, you know, not, not adversely affecting my um, vocational commitments. Well, I mean, my experience with DMT had, had quite the opposite effect, actually, um, uh, increasing my emotional intelligence, which I'd always been lacking as, as since seen me fare quite well at work, you know, we're going up a couple of pay scales and uh, a promotion. So, you know, it, it, I didn't know it at the time, but it ultimately had the, uh, the more beneficial aspect vocationally speaking, you know? Yeah. So 
at what point during your investigation, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you're having your trips, you're, you're, you're doing a trip report right after, because this is what I also learned the other day when I did DMT again for the first time in years. Um, it was like a dream. I come out of it, you, you're, you're remembering a lot. And, you know, it's, it seemed like the longer you get away from the dream, it's like, or the DMT experience, the quicker you're going to lose it. So I had to like write it down, remember it. I, I did a video actually. So people that want to, that are Patreon subscribers, you can see my post-trip video uh, where I did three DMT three times. You can hear what I had to say, but um, I totally lost my train of thought. What was I saying? <laughs> uh, about um, a little. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll bring it back here. Um, let's just let's just switch gears. Um, what do you think the DMT entities are? I mean, at this point, you've encountered all kinds of stuff. It, do you have any kind of theory? You know what, I, that's something I really hope to address in DMT and my occult mind three. And I, I'm, I kind of like looking through so much literature, book literature, online literature, academic literature. And, you know, I recently came across the, the sort of, you know, um, definition of not demons, but demons, you know, in, in sort of like ancient Greek philosophy and, you know, coming across this opinion that, you know, that the daemons partake of human affections, but also divine power. And once I'd read that, that was like, oh my God, that, that just seems so real and so apt to, to these entities and the experiences that they can impose. Because from my experiences, it's clear that these entities have a, you know, deep working knowledge of, of human physiology and, and the human psyche. And they can just, they have such a deep bag of tricks, whether it's the visual stuff or, or the psychic stuff or the invasive stuff or, you know, creating illusions of uh, motion or, or mobility. So, you know, the fact that, you know, ancient Greek philosophers spoke about daemons partaking of human affection, but also divine power. I, I kind I really like that. And uh, that's, that's a rabbit hole I'm going down, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really pursuing that. But um, I think there's other possibilities also. I think, you know, occult nature, hidden nature is uh, wide ranging in terms of realms and denizens. Yeah, that's another thing I wanted to mention before we get uh, far from where we're going with this is you, you, you use the word of occult a lot. And I don't mind that you use it because I know exactly what it means, it means hidden. But a lot of people yeah. get, they get hung up on these words like God or occult and they, whatever their meaning of it is. And a lot of people have a negative or dark uh, connotation with occult, but it just, mean, it just means hidden. Just to put that out for people. We, you, I know you say occult a lot and uh, for a lot of people, that's a trigger word. Uh, but, yeah, no, I, I, I mean, it is. It's very much a taboo, adult word, and I, I completely get that. And you know, there, there are certainly some, some dark and nefarious uh, angles within that, that wide-ranging sort of body of, of thought and philosophy. But it does just mean hidden, and, and it was purposeful including a cult in the title because I think it's a, it's a word that deserves some rehabilitation. So you know, it was. It, it's purposeful including it in the title. And I also think that uh, an occult interpretation of the DMT experience will ultimately prove to be the most accurate and the most meaningful. Yeah, so I'm going through the book and trying to figure out where exactly you're standing. And I guess ultimately 
if I'm reading this into this correctly, well, here's an actual quote. The bizarre hallucinatory experiences are created by conscious and intelligent psycho-spiritual beings from an otherwise unseen realm of nature. And then it goes on later. It says those otherwise unseen psycho-spiritual beings quite likely have a role to play within their own realm and are not typically in the business of waiting on DMT researchers to smoke DMT. And so my takeaway was with what's happening uh, is you smoke DMT, your pineal gland gets lit up, the, the high pitch frequency, whatever, your vibration shifts in a certain way that attracts these entities. And maybe they're close by, maybe they're sometimes hanging around your energy field. Maybe they're sometimes pushing you in the direction of wanting to smoke DMT. Sometimes I'll be, I'll, I'll be honest, I'll be sitting here some days and I will smell the burnt rubber. I will smell the mothballs. And I'm like, is DMT calling me? There's no reason I should be smelling this. Um, so is, is that what, is that was, so there's creatures in another dimension, beings in another dimension that get excited by your pineal gland being lit up by the smoking of DMT. Is that what's happening? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's pretty accurate. You know, I mean, the thing, you know, with psychedelics, people talk about set and setting and, you know, when we look at a setting, when you smoke DMT, I mean, entities aside, the first thing it does it, it powerfully and rapidly amplifies, let's call it your mind or consciousness. And, 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 you know, people report, having smoked DMT that the room that they're in becomes crystal clear. And, you know, if you, if you move your hand out in front of you, you see that kind of multitude of, of tracer trails. Well, I'm saying that's evidence of, of your mind stuff or call it whatever consciousness, astral fluid, there's something that's relatively immaterial that, that rapidly expands bubble like from the user's uh, being, you know, head. And, and the significance of that is you have significantly changed your setting and, and that significant change does serve as a, a signal that seems attractive to, you know, a range of non-physical entities. And typically one will, you know, uh, emerge seemingly from out of thin air and, and, and manifest very powerfully uh, upon the user, typically creating all kinds of visual wonders but i mean it took me ages to work that out because this occurs within seconds and sometimes you know i mean i, I was using the dmt machine pipe you know after that third pull on the pipe i mean sometimes it seems like it's instantaneous you know you lay down bang you no longer or apparently you're no longer in the bedroom you know you, you it appears you've you've gone somewhere else yeah. Now that's the next, that's a good segue there. Cause I wanted to talk about your methodology. Uh, there's lots of different ways to smoke DMT, vaping, smoking it, smoking. It's hard because you burn the crystals. You got to be really good about that. There's people who sandwich yeah. it, sandwich it with marijuana. I have a vape pen. Uh, now in your book, you give your dosages and they're typically between 20 and 30 milligrams, right? I think your average yeah. dose is about 25, yeah. which was, which was interesting to me, but when I was smoking on my pen the other day, my vape pen, when I, when I do the vape pen, it seems like you're getting more of a microdose. And for me, I'm so still and quiet. I can kind of communicate with the microdosed spirit of DMT. It, can kind of, it kind of whispers to me. Mm -hmm. And it was telling me, it's like, look, every time you take a hit of this pen, it's basically five milligrams. So you need to take five or six hits to get to that Dick Kahn level, 25 milligrams where you want to be at. Because the pen was, if I believed it, the spirit was telling me that each hit was giving me five milligrams. I don't know if it was true or not, but when I did five hits, it blasted me off. So you, you, you typically do, and I was reading the book, sometimes you'll take two hits. And as I was doing the pin, I feel like I would take the hit and then it would be like a little bit of a delay before 
you know, the, the DMT would kick in. So I feel like a lot of times you were just gone by that second hit. And by the time the third one was smoked, it, you were already taken by the second one. You just didn't realize it. But so is your preferred method, I, I don't know what kind of pipe you use, but here's another thing. Okay, so there's a lot of reasons why DMT is puts people off. A, the, a, they can't acquire it, right? They don't know how to get it. They don't know how easy it is to make once they, if they, if they could acquire the, the materials, so they don't go that route. They're always like, can I get DMT? How do I get it? I just say, when it's time, DMT will just show up. You don't have to do anything. If DMT is meant for you, yeah, it's, yeah, you should take some initiative and go make some. I, I should do that as well. But I'm not in a situation where I can cook anything right now. I can do anything. So You know, you know, you know what I find, I, I guess, kind of funny is on, on Reddit, on, on Instagram and, and across social media, you get some users doing extractions and they've got like, you know, uh, maybe their mum's Pyrex dish from the kitchen and it's chock full of DMT. I mean, you know, I mean, they're scraping up like masses of it and I'm thinking, oh my God, you know, it's like, I, I mean, the stuff is sensitive to, to moisture, to oxygen, to heat and light, and it does lose its potency pretty quickly unless it's stored, you know, properly. How do you store it? Uh, do you, do you, then do you... if, if, you're, if you're accessing it frequently, you know, that, that exposure to oxygen, it, it does start to lose its potency. And, you know, I, I get that some people can't find it, and then you've got other people, I don't know, producing mass amounts of it. And I'm thinking, what the hell are you going to do with that? You know, it's, it's enough for a small town. I guess they're selling it. I don't know. But I don't, so, know, man. I don't know. 25 milligrams is pretty small dose, right? I, I would. Well, you know I mean, what? I think, relatively well, speaking. I mean, I mean, well, I mean, the thing is, I, I was pursuing fresh crystals. So as I said, I was doing, you know, frequent small extractions uh, and using fresh crystals. So maybe there's some significance there, but I, I found what I could break through in, in, in different rooms. So the top of the stairs, the, the landing, as I don't know if you call it, the landing in the USA, but the small area at the top of the stairs, I found I could easily break through 25 milligrams there, you, you three pulls. In the bedroom, the larger bedroom, it seemed to take a little bit more. Maybe there's some significance there with the, the different uh, size of the room and then outside required a little bit more but yeah i mean and, and you know at the time i wasn't i was no longer i wasn't on doing any research i wasn't on social media so when i when i published my book and then i realized you know that there were communities on facebook on twitter and instagram and like first thing i came across is like people's like smoking bigger doses than me and i was like god damn you know I, I, that's incredible but you know it, it is what it is i, I was never trying to be um, the alpha male of DMT, you know, it's just, I'm going to do some investigation and this is what I did and this is what I wrote and, you know, just, just hope people enjoy it. Well, at a high dose, that's what I wanted to ask. So 25 milligrams versus 50 versus a hundred, what's the highest dose you've recorded that you've taken and did it have an so, effect or does it just reach some kind so of baseline? I mean, the highest measured dose would be, would be 99. And, and I took that up in the Yorkshire Dales, but again, I have to be honest, it, it wasn't all that. And I suspect if I recall rightly, that had probably lost quite a lot of its potency. I think the highest potent dose I've had would be, would it be 83, 84, something like that. I think that's in DMT in my cult mind too. But the significance for me is trying to understand the esoteric mechanics of it. And I've not found with higher doses that the esoteric mechanics that, that I'm saying are 
uh, how the DMT breakthrough experience works or unfolds. I don't find the mechanics change with higher doses. I mean, that's what I know. thought. It, do, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Certain, once you're in the door, you're in the door, right? You just need, yeah. to, you just need enough to get through the door. And now, you, if you can get through the door with 25 or, or 50, you're still through the door. You've just wasted, yeah. you've just wasted that other 25 to get there. So when another thing I find interesting about what you do is, yeah, you talk about the mechanics of it, right? So most people, myself included, uh, and I've learned this by smoking DMT, I keep my eyes closed. I feel like I can have a much more powerful experience with my eyes closed in the dark. And you're, you're, you're quite the opposite. You like to do, I think the entirety of your book is open-eyed trips, right? You just do them open-eyed. Yeah, open-eyed and daylight conditions and, you know... Uh... There'll be people listening who are, are you know, uh, familiar with DMT. And, and I guess I have to say, and it, it's true that on a breakthrough dose, it doesn't matter whether it's daylight or nighttime, eyes open or eyes closed, you, you're going to see the same. But, you know, I was genuinely investigating that, you know, I, I kind of like set up my own research program and I really sort of bought into that, you know, okay, I'm going to do my own thing here. I'm going to create my very own DMT research program. I'm really going to commit myself to the substance in an investigatory capacity and eyes open and daylight conditions just seem the, the, the way to go because I don't know, clo closing my eyes to it or doing it in the dark, I, I felt like I may miss something. And, you know, I think the books document quite clearly that, open-eyed and daylight conditions for, for what I was pursuing was really beneficial. And by way of example, um, I didn't know what the hell was going on. You know, I'm documenting my experiences. I, I kind of suspected that something was interacting with me. These experiences were not from my own mind, but there was one experience and it was in the bedroom and there was no visual component, but it was clear that the bedroom was seething with this, this energy, you know, it appears like you're underwater. Uh, and then towards the end of the experience, this, I didn't know it was an entity at the time, but whatever was there, it tried to misdirect my attention, something that had happened in previous experiences. And I just said, uh -uh. and I just maintained you know, sharp focus on what was happening in the bedroom and then watched as this, you know, psycho-spiritual entity slowly peeled itself from the walls and just kind of like serenely sort of swam or floated out, you know, via the door, but also through the walls like some oversized sort of rayfish, you know, with, with these beautiful sort of wings you know and it's like wow my god that that was a really significant experience it really sort of really it, it was momentous for me because it's like there you go now I can see clearly that you know the visual experiences that I've previously had have been imposed upon me by you know otherworldly creatures and there's one of them right now sort of serenely gliding out of my bedroom wow um another question i wanted to ask somebody like you, you it's very rare you get to meet somebody that smoked dmt as many times as you do as you have um now you're familiar with alex gray right his artwork yeah right okay yep. how can you not if you're in the psychedelic community so one of the takeaways for me the one of the first times i smoked dmt i came back and i'm like well 
Now I understand Alex Gray's artwork. It's just amazing that he can remember these things. And my takeaway was, is like, okay, well maybe DMT can take you to an, 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 object, an objective space, like a space that we can all enter into. Now going through these DMT trips, have you ever re-entered a room that you've been through before? Have you ever, is there an objective psych, uh, DMT space that we all kind of pass through? Is there, is there an objective reality that, of, of DMT land that exists? Or my theory on DMT is it's some kind of reflection of your unconscious mind without any filter of the five senses. It's some kind of this free fall through your unconscious mind. It is a very kaleidoscope. What lesson you need to learn, what God wants you to learn if you believe in that. What do you think about all that? So I think there's certain thematic experiences and it may be that, you know, there's a particular entity or, or group of entities that, you know, have or impose thematic experiences upon the users, whether it's the kind of uh, rooms that Alex Gray portrays in his uh, excellent art. Uh, I, I, I'm saying that's not a real palace. It's not a real place, so to speak. I'm saying it's... Um, a visual construct from the mind of the, the very powerful entity that's imposing upon the DMT user. And I say this because I've, I've had thematic experiences. I've had experiences where, you know, it, I smoke it. It looks like I'm in another world. It, it, that world is highly defined. It's wonderfully colorful. It, it's magical in all extremes. And also it's peopled or appears to be peopled with, uh, human-like entities who were taking great delight in my presence there. What I'm saying is those seemingly autonomous human-like entities, the landscape, everything within that, that, that apparently visual realm is from the mind of the powerful non-physical entity. I think that's, that, that's where my research has led me. So, you know, I know um, Alex Gray has, has painted these wonderful images of, of these spaces and other people say, yep, yeah, I've been there. So I guess what I'm suggesting, and I can't prove it, I'm suggesting it is, you know, it's quite likely that the, the very same powerful non-physical entity or one of a group of powerful non-physical entities that are familiar with that kind of, I don't know, imagery, uh, are imposing it upon, you know, whichever human's smoking DMT at the time. I, I've not seen that. Uh, if I did see that, I would, I would just state the same conclusion that, you know, whatever entity entertained Alex Gray or, or other people who've seen that Alex Gray image is now entertaining me. Yeah, so, I mean, that, that's why I had to ask because I... I've smoked DMT a handful of times and I don't know very many people that smoke more than me, except for you. And you're on the other side of the world. So I had to ask because I, that was the immediate takeaway. The first time I smoked DMT I was like, Holy shit. Like this is a Alex Gray is painting something from a real place. He's not just, cause you know, if you don't, if you've never smoked DMT, you don't know uh, that you're literally, if somebody says, Hey, do you want to smoke DMT? It's like somebody has a portal gun and says, Hey, you want to go to another dimension for five minutes? It's literally like that. And then you go to that other dimension, you realize, Oh shit, this is where he's painting these things from. But you don't think so. You don't think, I, I, I agree with you. I don't think we're getting it from the mind of the entity though. I think it's a reflection of our own mind, meaning just as much as you're a reflection of me and we all are one that, you can extrapolate that to aliens, to extraterrestrials, or even entities within the, I, I, think, I think it's a mind realm. But again, I haven't smoked DMT 
that many times to be that sure. I'm going off my experience with reality outside of DMT and then trying to take the DMT experience and overlay what I think the nature of reality is, which is we're all one. It's all one energy field. And DMT kind of reveals, you know, I don't know if you watch Star Trek or not, but it's kind of like the holodeck. Do you know, you know, you know what the holodeck is on Star Trek? Um, vaguely. I wasn't the biggest fan of Star Trek, but I vaguely, it was, it's this, uh, uh, yeah. It's this room that you go into and you can basically program any fantasy you want from any time period. And, and, and basically it starts out like a grid of yellow lines. And it's kind of how I feel DMT is. And, but instead of like a grid of yellow lines, I'm sure you've encountered the room full of a thousand eyes, right? Like, have you been in that room, that tunnel of just like... No, the- I've, I've not seen that. I think this is one that David Luke um, experienced and documented. And again, I, I, I say the same. I think that, that those eyes are, are visual constructs of, of the powerful non-physical entity that's imposing upon the user's amplified perceptions. That, okay. That's, yeah. Right. Okay. So that's interesting. Now, have you had have you had a peak spiritual experience outside of the realm of psychedelics? Ooh. Yeah. Um, <sighs> would this qualify so i mean i alluded earlier to to the the tinnitus being a really significant part of my early childhood and you know focusing on that sound and and fighting sleep as a a very young child i had um two or three three or four classic out-of-body experiences and i mean this was when i was really young but can distinctly remember you know a feeling of falling backwards at terrific speed. And then, you know, next minute I'm, I'm in the midst of my bedroom and my body's down in the bed and I can will myself forward. I can will myself through the, the closed wooden bedroom door and I could go downstairs and everything is just as it, it, it would otherwise be. Uh, I think from a young age, certainly from a young age, that showed me that there's something within me that that can exist outside my body and yet perceive the reality just as my eyes do i don't know if that would qualify as a peak spiritual experience oh no definitely definitely that's i mean i mean mean, another one and 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 i find i'm thinking about this more often now you know an occasion where again young child and, and woke up convinced it was christmas morning and there'd be hordes of presents downstairs under a Christmas tree and flung open the the curtains and, you know, just beyond the foot of the garden was, I can only describe it as a a, a bright, glorious, bright sunshine where sunshine shouldn't be. And I was just mesmerized by this thing, you know, and I maybe stood looking at it for maybe two or three minutes and then stole myself away to go and, you know, call my mum to come and look at this. And, you know, when she did come, obviously, it had gone and realized it wasn't Christmas morning. And I guess I, I put that down to maybe, you know, that the tinnitus may be, um, you know, having, you know, a degree of DMT active within my, my brain, my pineal region at a young age attracted that thing. And honestly, I feel genuinely privileged to have seen that, you know, it's uh, yeah. And it's something I think about, you know, more often than I have done in, in, in early, you know, in, in, in other adult years, you know, since, since smoking DMT, I kind of like see that as a, a DMT entity experience, having not smoked any DMT because I didn't know where it was and I was far too young. But yeah, I, I class that as a, 
you know, I guess I'd have to say maybe the most magnificent DMT entity I've ever seen. And that was when I was, I don't know, four or five years old. Yeah. No, I just, uh, these things seem to go hand in hand a lot of times. You reach some, I feel like a lot of times people are accessing DMT uh, out of a spiritual quest and they've reached some kind of level of understanding or they've reached that uh, crossroads where they're going to learn something through ayahuasca or DMT. Have you, have just you, on that have, one, just on that one flow on that, um, about ayahuasca. And I mean, you mentioned Alex Gray, but there's, um, the artist Insidigris who, you know, produced, I don't know if you're familiar with his works. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And he produced, um, the boy with his sort of tongue out and, and third eye mini me, but he also produces these other, I don't know, let's call them machine elves with, with, you know, zigzagging sharp teeth. And I mean, I've had ayahuasca and, and they've, popped up and uh you know i i think that again points to the fact that there are sort of thematic you know archetypes within these experiences produced by these powerful non-physical entities you know i, I had one of those i kind of i was in this ayahuasca experience and these sharp toothed machine elves if you can call them that were, were, were very busy and for some reason, my, my fingers were up in, in this realm. And I had, um, I had a bad thought or a dark thought or a thought that was, was not really, it was out of character for, for, for that realm. And straight away, one of those bloody munchkins, you know, kind of like bit my hyperspace finger off. And yeah, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you kind of like, like, watch what you're thinking when you're here. Yeah, no, no doubt. Um, wow. So I was re I was listening to obviously all these podcasts and on the Dharma Junkie podcast, you said that you gave up weed just before you started smoking DMT, I guess, regularly or going on your experiments. How, how was marijuana part of your life uh, prior and how much was it a part of your life prior to smoking DMT? So I think I've given up weed about 10 years before I um, got onto DMT and, I, and, and I'd had about a 20 year a very strong relationship began with, with pot, um, you know, the hash, the soap bar, the rocky slate, um, squidgy, black, you know, I, I could always get it. Uh, I must've gone through, I must've gone through hundreds, thousands of pounds, you know, and I, I'm very proud that I never owed anybody ever money, but I could just magic money from somewhere if it meant getting myself an eighth of pot and then there from you go. Pot, yeah <laughs> from, on, on you know uh, from pot went to to weed and then obviously i remember when i remember when skunk came out because it was on the papers in the uk you know i was super strain of cannabis blah 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 and i said to my brother i said look, look we were smoking so much weed said, look, let's go to amsterdam and, and try this skunk and we went over and we had a weekend in Amsterdam, tried this skunk and Jesus, it, yeah, I mean, that stuff was strong. It is strong. And, you know, uh, carried on smoking weed and then skunk became a big thing in the UK. And I was, man, I, um, it was, a yeah, I had problems with it. You know, it was an addiction. I had uh, problems with it. I mean, I, I kind of like, I, I was married uh, and I got a young child and uh, I was smoking skunk and I got a professional job and this skunk man it was so strong I was like going to bed drooling waking <laughs> up still drooling and going to work and my manager's asking me questions and and I, I could see she knows my mind is not here my mind was somewhere else well long story short is I am um, 
I really wanted to change my situation because I was a family man. I was living in a really sort of deprived area of North Manchester and I really didn't want my children to grow up in that area. And I ended up leaving that job in a manner that you don't really leave a professional job. And I, and I kind of like, you know, forced my way into this job overseas, selling offshore financial investments, thinking I was going to make loads of money. And I, after six months came back, you know, uh, tail between my legs, uh, ultimately bankrupt. And, uh, you know, after that, I kind of like thought, you know what, maybe I should give, give weed. I'm not against weed. You know, I, I love it so much. I had to give it up. I'm not yeah. against it, but I kind of like, you know, that, that was serious. You know, I was kind of like in Africa giving thoughts to should I come home with my tail between my legs or should I stay out there and, and kind of like, you know, see what happens. And, um, yeah. So yeah. Gave it yeah. Up. Yeah. Um, the, 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 the things I did give up for DMT were um, I stopped masturbating and I stopped drinking alcohol. Now, one had always been more of a habit than the other. And I'd never been a big drinker, but I started drinking when I was overseas in Africa. And um, when I decided to really pursue DMT seriously, yeah, I, I stopped masturbating and I stopped drinking. And, and I remain abstemious from both, you know, and I think, I think, that speaks to DMT's capacity to, for myself, it, it really matured my emotional intelligence, which I have to admit had been lacking for far too many years. And now, you know, I start pursuing toad medicine and, you know, I think I'm nine or 10 experiences into that and I'm making, I made, you know, lifestyle choices in that. I've now stopped looking at pornography, you know, and it's like, I don't know. I'm just, I don't see myself as like, I see myself as just like an average guy. So, you know. Same. I, I'm, I'm the look, same thing. Look, that, that's what I like about you is you're just, just like me, just the average guy yeah, trying these yeah. things out and being honest about how it goes. Yeah. You know, and, and it's, it's, let me ask you this. Do you think, do you, do you think, um, I know ayahuasca, the ayahuascaros require you to, to have this dieta for like a month, a couple of weeks, no masturbation, no, no marijuana, certain foods, you know, you're supposed to abstain and be, really center yourself. And they say that uh, ayahuasca is a female spirit. Marijuana is a female spirit. And they don't really go together. And that's one of the w reasons they say well, you don't want to do that. And another reason is you don't want this layer of marijuana that the ayahuasca has to work through to get to your core. So um, do you think... DMT requires a similar sacrifice. I feel like in my initiation process the other day when I, when I came back to DMT, I feel uh, not only has it helped me work with my marijuana issue because I have an addiction to it. Uh, a lot of people won't say that it's possible. You can't be addicted, but you absolutely can be addicted to marijuana in more ways than one. And I feel like before when I worked with DMT, the marijuana and my struggle with it was coloring the DMT experience, meaning just like any set and setting, whatever your, the state of your psyche and your mind is, when you ingest these substances, when you take these things on, they're going to reflect in a way, they're going to color your trip by, you know, if you're having a bad day, you're going to, may, you may, you, you're more than likely uh, predisposed to opening up a bad trip. Whether, obviously, if you're in a good mood, maybe the opposite. So do you think DMT required that sacrifice or was it a sacrifice you just said, oh, you know, along the way, by virtue of being in a higher vibratory state Maybe you learned something about yourself. Was it something you decided to give up 
as a sacrifice to work with the spirit or was it something that just came along as a byproduct of working with the spirit? Ooh, that is a question. You know, I mean, it, it had been a habit for far too many years and I, um, I didn't like it, but it was a habit that I, I couldn't break. I guess it was a, a psychological addiction to the kind of like, you know, that uh, orgasmic. I mean, people jack off because, you know, you, you get the orgasm. and Yeah, you got a pleasure button between your legs. I, I, I mean, way, way before DMT, you know, as a young adult, you know, like masturbating and then kind of look up into the empty room, you know, the airspace in the empty room. And you're kind of like thinking, is anything watching me you know is anything <laughs> there now you know you like you've no idea but for some reason you know you you can get a sort of guilty feeling afterwards i think it was just um it just didn't seem i i made my mind up i was gonna take it seriously and pursue it in an investigatory capacity um masturbating just didn't seem compatible with that mindset yeah and i mean you know i mean it had been a habit and like kicking the habit was, it was a big, big thing for me. You know, it was like, what am I going to do? Go, go through all my life, like, you know, masturbate, even within marriage, you know, with, with like family, you know. So and again, same as weed. I'm, I'm, I'm not here criticizing masturbation. I, I think, you know, it has its place. Same, but for, same, but for yeah. me, you know, for me, it had become a habit that I'd, I'd maintained for far too long. And I, I couldn't be proud of myself. And I, cer I certainly felt I can't be pursuing these experiences in all honesty, really trying to uncover what's happening. And then kind of like, you know, if my wife's not giving me sex, I'm going to go up into my writing office and look at pornography and like start fiddling with myself. <laughs> so just, and I'm really, I'm really glad I, I kind of kicked it into touch and, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like now, I'm like, well, I must be like a couple of weeks into not looking at pornography. And again, I'm not against pornography, but it kind of like got a bit too, a bit too much. You know, it's like waking up, take my wife to work, come home. I can't sleep. I'll have a cup of tea in bed. I'm going to look at some pornography and have a fancy about what me and my wife are going to do. It's like, come on, man. Yeah. I, so, yeah, yeah you know, I, I, again, so I feel it's like... um. It's a step in the right direction for me, but again, I'm I'm not against weed and I'm not against pornography, but you know, I kind of like had to move on from those, but not against them at all. Yeah, no, totally. And uh, I, I, I just think uh, having that extra fuel in your tank also lends to a better experience. One thing I learned with uh, no fat, not jerking. I I, didn't, I went for like almost a hundred days. I didn't jerk off, didn't look at porn, and then I reached a point where it was like getting to a ridiculous level. I had all this energy. I was attracting so many things. It was, it was insane from going from like jerking off all the time, which is basically the gutter of reality to like the penthouse of reality, which is a, a full sack full of God's uh, <laughs> super, super juice, right? The juice that creates yeah. life. And you waste this yeah. juice on uh, electronic ones and zeros. You're cucking yourself to someone else, uh, mm. screwing a beautiful woman. You're not getting it. You're giving up the fluid. You don't have any energy. And then you go into these trips and they're all depressing. Uh, they're dark. Versus if you've got a brain and your ball sack full of juice, you've got full power, full psycho-spiritual juice to contact and to deal with these things in the spirit world. I truly believe that when you don't jerk off and when you have a, a proper sex life with conservation of your seed and knowing how to run that energy up your spine, it's a totally different experience. And a lot of people will tell me, I, I, I'm a big fan of DMT because it can immediately take you to that space outside of your 
ego outside of your mind and body outside of a, a relative space you're comfortable with. Whereas people say, oh, well, you can just breathe and get there. Well, guess what? Some people don't have the uh, physical uh, ability to sit up and breathe straight and, and get their spine going straight. Some people are so unconscious, they'll never approach one of those methodologies on their own. And so I like the fact that psychedelics and particularly DMT can take you to that space, five, 10, 15 minutes, and then pull you right back out. And then you're completely sober outside of your, aston outside of your astonishment. Like you, you know, D Terrence, ta Terrence talks about death from astonishment is really the only troublesome, the only worry about DMT is you're gonna come back and you're gonna be so exploded from the reality you just experienced. It's gonna be very hard to put your mind back together. So I just thought that was interesting. And I had to ask you about weed since I, I heard that come up in a podcast. But I wanted to talk about an experience I had the other day when I was, again, getting ready to talk to you. I was, I do lots of threshold doses. I, I don't break through and I get a lot of information from that. Well, what was happening was I was having the communication with the DMT as I was hitting it. And like I said, every hit of this pin was, I would say probably five milligrams. And the, and, and the entity was encouraging me. It's like, keep going, take another hit. And I could mm -hmm. feel the breakthrough starting to happen. And I went for the, the, the voice is like, okay, take one more hit and you're going to really go all the way. It's going to be amazing. And so I reached down and the pin should have been there. I'm getting goosebumps telling you this. And I reached around and I'm going crazy because I'm like, oh no, if I don't get this next hit, I'm going to just completely lose the portal and I'm not going to be able to go through. And I'm searching and I'm like, fuck, I'm like, where is the pen? It could have not, it cannot have just disappeared. Now I've had experiences before things, real objects, and this is non-psychedelic have just disappeared from my reality. So I know it's a possibility, this reality we're living in that things can just blip in and out. It's weird, but it happens. So long story short, I get up to, to try to turn on my light to find this pen that I can't find. I'm kind of like, feel like I'm losing the trip. Then I wake up and I'm in my bed. I was DMT tripping the fact that I was, you know what I mean? I was already in the DMT trip. I'd already kind of broken yeah. through. And, it, and it, it, reminds, it reminded me of a lot of your experiences in the book where you talk about the room being crystal clear or it felt like you had smoked. You knew you had taken the, 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 the correct amount, but you felt like nothing had happened, but yet you knew you were still tripping. So I felt, mm. like, it, I felt like it was very, like, like the DMT was fucking with me because I got to mm. be honest, at that point, when I first did DMT that night, the first experience I had was fantastic. Like I, I, I had the unexplainable DMT, DMT experience. I melted. And the DMT told me after that, it's like, you don't need to do any more tonight. Just put it down. But I, had, mm. but I had such a good experience. I'm like, you know, I wanted to keep going. And so like yeah. I said, I, yeah. I, I, I went again. I said, there's no refractory period here. I don't think there is at least. I'm going to just do it again. And that was when I had that inception experience of like, okay, keep taking the hit, keep taking the hit. And then the pin was gone. And then the whole experience basically was the DMT trip. At a certain point, the uh, edge of my reality and the edge of the DMT experience were so flawlessly, it was so seamless. I didn't know where the one began and one ended until it actually ended. And I was there with the pin in my hand passed out. Oh, so, God. oh but your book is full of stories like that, though. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, and, I, and, and, and even if I'd not published, I think there's a lot to be said for writing down your experiences for, for keeping a journal because, you know, uh, they're unbelievable experiences. And I think, you know, 
I, I, in my mind, I probably have like five or six experiences that really stand out. But, you know, I mean, within my books, you know, I'd be able to sort of go back, um, you know, in later years and, and kind of look at them as a journal. Like, oh, yeah, God, I, re I remember that. Yeah, you know, so I think writing them down is, is, is very powerful as a, a means of reflecting and, and integrating. And, you know, and I know some people do, but yeah, I certainly recommend it as a, I definitely recommend it now. Uh, yeah. After after re reading your book, like I said, I I hadn't touched DMT for probably three years. I was, it scared the shit out of me. The last time I did it before the, these new encounters was I was again three years ago trying to quit weed, having a hard time trying to do it, feel, feeling a lot of yeah. guilt, feeling a lot of like, okay, like this is a waste of my time, waste of my money. I need to. I don't have the willpower here. I feel like I felt like such a bitch. And I said, you know what? Let me consult the DMT. Let me consult psychedelics because a lot of times they'll give you an answer. Well, I already knew what the answer was. I needed to fucking quit. So it was already obvious. So I went and smoked DMT. This girl had some DMT. It was just the regular method. We didn't really have the crack pipe. You need a certain kind of pipe to smoke DMT. And so all we had was a weed pipe and we did the sandwich method. We put a little weed, sandwiched some DMT in there. And between the the, the weed, if you, if you do it right, it'll vape the DMT. Well, it mm. worked. It worked. I, I got my first hit. I could, oh yeah. Second hit, the, the mandala started to appear, but this was a fucked up mandala. This was like, <laughs> like the toxic Avenger was going to come out of this thing. It was gross, man. It was like all kinds of nasty things. It was like, come on in, man. And I was crying, crying. I started to cry in front of this girl. And, uh, and I, you know, to her at this point, I was like this psychedelic hero to her in a way. I was helping her do all these things. But now she's seeing her hero on the second hit, crying, like snot coming out of my nose. Like, no, no, yeah, no. Yeah. I, I don't want to go through the portal. I can't do this. I can't do it. And so I, you know, if you wait too long, sometimes you just, you, you won't quite break through, but you'll go somewhere else. And I kind of, you either hit the wall or like one time I had a roller coaster ride through the eyeball tunnel. And it's like, you can't go any further until you do this kind of work outside of the mm -hmm. experience. So, um, let's see, what was I talking about? Oh yeah. My DMT experience, but, uh, so I didn't smoke any weed before this interview, but I woke up so early that, uh, and I'm so excited to talk to you. I just totally lost my train of thought again, but I guess sometimes. You know, you know uh, so I, I should add that I, I had 10 years off weed and um, I did somebody a favor. And uh, as a consequence of doing that person a favor, they sent me some weed that they had grown. Some, you know, I mean, really nice, you know, not, not the kind of like insane super skunk, but really nice, strong, sweet weed. And they sent me three different strains. Um, and despite 10 years off, I, I decided like, I'm, I'm going to smoke some without tobacco. And it was a really big thing for me, you know, smoking weed after um, having so many problems with it, you know, 20 year hab habit. And yeah, I mean, I think it was about a year ago and I smoked it and um I mean, that stuff is like so psychedelic. And I didn't realize when I was smoking it back in the day, I, I didn't realize how powerfully mind manifesting it can be. Oh, yeah. Is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I had no idea. I just thought I'm, I'm getting high or I'm getting zonked or I'm, uh, I was just addicted to it, man. I was like, if I was like laid on my pillar and drool was coming out of my mouth, you know, that was like, um, oh, this is you know, doing good. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I smoked it and, um, wow. I, you know, I got a newfound respect for it and I still got, I've got, you know, weed in my drawers here, but it's there if I want it, but 
um it's nice to have it it's, it's, it's like you know i've got quite a quite a healthy medicine box here but you know oftentimes i think it's nice to have it but i'm not really in the mood to pursue anything yeah but no but thanks you brought me back actually to what i was talking about which was i was talking about this bad trip i was having trying to quit weed trying to consult dmt i'm on this second hit the portal's opening up the toxic avengers trying to pull me through i'm crying in front of this girl it's going really <laughs> bad i finally take the third hit but it's just a slightly bit too late and I go to this realm, it's like the year 3000, and I'm like a baby in, a, in like a futuristic emergency room, and out of every orifice is green slime out of my mouth, out of my nose, out of my ears, out of my butt, out of every orifice. And I came out of that, and I'm like, okay, it was a metaphor. It was a very scary metaphor, but that metaphor was out of every fucking orifice, I, I'm, I'm weed, I, I'm uh, overflowing with weed. I have... I've smoked so much weed. I eat so much weed that that's all I am right now. And so the big, it, 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 there was a, a, a giant uh, shift at that point to be like, okay, that's the exclamation point on what you already know. You already knew you had an addiction. This has just proved it. And the, it, the unfortunate thing about me and psychedelics is whether it's acid, whether it's mushrooms, and I'm not so sure about DMT, but those other ones, if I don't do the work that the psychedelics are showing me to do, it's, I, I'm going to come back to the trip a week later, two mm. weeks, and it's going to be like, look, you didn't do the work. It's the same thing. So the, 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 at least for me and my consciousness, because I'm trying to approach this from a very conscious perspective, I'm looking for guidance. I'm looking for help. I'm looking for information. Have you been able to bring anything back from a DMT experience uh, that, that you could utilize in your real life? Yeah, and, and I'll touch on that, but I just want to say, how remarkable that, you know, in relation to your experience with that green slime oozing out of every orifice. I mean, I just think that speaks to the, the insight of these powerful non-physical entities, you know, being able to, you know, read or intuit or, 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 or see your mind and where you're at and what problems you're dealing with. And then kind of, you know, transform that almost with a wicked sense of humor into all this green slime emblematic of your sort of weed habit oozing out of every orifice. I think that's, that's fantastic. Um, yeah. Um, to your question, have I brought anything back that's beneficial to my life? So, I mean, I've not, I, I mean, it's not like you're bringing back new mathematical formulas or, or new scientific laws, but I think there are examples. And, and one would be, I had an experience in the garden. It was a windy day. It was daylight. It was a windy day. And I, I smoked this dose of DMT and, and I don't know if you've ever been outside on magic mushrooms and like the wind starts blowing and you're like, Ooh, that's a bit, it's a bit spooky. And it kind of went a bit like that. I got really nervous by the wind blowing through the apple tree. And um, my mind was starting to take a sort of a negative dive. And I just sense, you know, I don't even have experiences to know when, when an entity was, was, had arrived and, and was present. And this entity arrived, it was present. And it flashed up this image in my mind just for a fraction of a second. I can't even tell you what image it was. I, it was so fast, I couldn't grasp it. But whatever it was, the, the, the sort of pattern of that image, it just changed my mood on a whim. And now I'm thinking, you know, it's like it instilled in me that, you know, um, positivity in the face of all adversity is the very best that humankind can be. And I was like, 
just changed and like I didn't care it's like you know okay if you wind want to blow you know blow twice as hard and since that day I've I've not had a day where I've, I've kind of like sort of gone become depressed or negative or moody I've just been on this solid even keel since that day and that was years ago so, I mean, in terms of bringing something back that's useful, I would say that was immensely useful because it, 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 it's, it's, you know, I mean, I've had, as a growing up, you know, with the weed experiences and that bouts of depression, you know, I had my mum crying, I had family members writing to me, you know, telling me my parents are upset because of, of how I'm sort of, you know, addling my mind with weed. But that one DMT experience, and it wasn't even a, an, um, it wasn't a breakthrough experience. It, it, it was quite a relatively mundane experience compared to somewhat significantly changed my life. So, you know, yeah, I think you can bring things back from that realm, but I don't think you can be personally, I'm not bringing back, you know, occult wisdom, maxims of occult wisdom or anything like that. Right. Okay. That was, that was what I wanted to know. So Graham Hancock, congratulations on that. I was surfing mm-hmm. the internet one day a couple of weeks ago and I, or maybe a month ago, I can't remember how long it was now, but um, Graham, Graham Hancock, big name in the psychedelic community, been on Joe Rogan's a bunch of times. Uh, you aliens, psychedelics, DMT, ayahuasca. Congratulations on that, my friend. That was a big one. I'm like, Thanks, wow, man, Dick, I, I finally you made it. That, but you know what? That was so unexpected. And even now, I, I still don't think it, it properly sunk in. It, it just came out of the blue. And, you know, it started off, they were like, look, do you want to write an article? I mean, I, you know, I never spoke to Graham. I never met Graham. It, it was all through his um, his researcher, and she was lovely. Um, do you want to write an article? I was like, to write, you know. So I wrote an article, and she came back. She said, look, this is really good. Do you want to... Would you consider expanding the article and being author of the month? I was like, yeah, too right. And, you know, I mean, I'm still blown away by the fact that I was the author after, you know, The Immortality Key, which is just a tremendous book, a tremendous piece of academic research. So, yeah, I mean, I'm still kind of like floating, you know, from that. And I'm still kind of like, you know, I have to pinch myself that it really happened. So thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, awesome. one another reason why it's like I gotta get this guy on. He's like blowing up. Um, have you floated ever? Um, oh, you mean a float tank? Yes, sir. No, never. I know right. what they are, but I, I, I've not seen one. We're going to set that up because <laughs> I wanted to set it up before. We, we had exchanged correspondence in the mail, and I saw I was like, oh, maybe he's in Canada because I didn't know where you were living at at first, and I'm like, why? Okay. And I, and I knew you were no, not, I, you were kind of anonymous. So I'm like, I want to set up, I want to set up a float for you, but I didn't know where you lived, and I didn't know you know, with your name and, you know, if you wanted to just not even, you know, not show up ever, like just stay hidden. I don't know. So I wanted to set that up for you. If you wanted to go forward, I can get something going in the UK. Um, if you're, if you're open to it, we can use obviously. Well, uh, I'm, I'm open name. to anything. Uh, we'd have to do it sort of post lockdown because as things done, you know, now, you know. Are you, are you still locked down there? Are, oh yeah. We, 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 lock, we locked down. It's not as, extreme as the first lockdown when the roads were empty that there's people out and about but i mean uh, the leisure uh, hospitality and retail that that's pretty much closed it's, it's oh it's wow food, food and takeaways only I, well, the, the, you know when, when you asked if i've ever floated i i immediately thought of some dmt experiences out in the garden where 
you know, the entities, the powerful non-physical entities, it, it, it certainly gives me the illusion that I am floating and that's absolutely wonderful. So when you asked if I float, I was like, oh, I thought you meant on DMT. But no, yeah. I'm not in the tank, not yet. But I'll be gonna, open to that, yeah. We're going to make that happen. Once they open back up, because that's the other thing. I was like, I wanted to, I want everybody to be on this podcast to, if, to float if they haven't floated before. And I'm gonna, I try to, to set that up. So definitely... Once I figure out what's going on in the UK, because that, that's the thing. Okay, so it's like in the US, the tale of two cities here. You've got some states like the state I'm in, which is almost completely open. The business are back to normal. Yeah, you got to wear the mask at some of these places. And even then you can, you can wear it off your face. Nobody says anything. Versus you go to California, New York City, it's just like you. It's, it's a lot of things locked down. It's not business as usual. It's very similar to it was a year ago. And so my concern is uh, I see a lot of businesses, float tank centers that are not making it. They're hurt shutting their doors they're selling off and I, my hope is that uh, i didn't realize it was that bad in the uk that you know that these places survive because float centers are one of these businesses that the profit margins are very small at least in most cases that i know and they're independently owned and the and these are the people right now who are being crushed the most the middle class and so mm-hmm. hopefully before they all shut down. We'll get you in a tank in the UK, but we got to keep moving here. We're almost an hour and a half in. I could, uh, I, yeah, sure. thank you so much. I've got so many questions. I want to get to the, uh, actually, I should probably just get to their questions now because I think a lot of their questions are going to start overlapping with what I want to, what I want to ask you still. So I'm going to pull up the Instagram users questions. I asked the Instagram users and you saw that you posted as well. Uh, thank you, by the way, for posting about our interview, but uh, I'm going to go through some questions here. As soon as I find the screenshot. I, I, I actually made some notes for these. So um, it may be that I, I've got a few sheets here. It may be that I've got the question and maybe have some not pre-prepared answer, but some pointers. Okay. Uh, the, I, I, and again, if you know the answer, some of these things, I don't even know what they are asking. So if you don't know, don't worry about it. We'll just pass the question. Uh-huh. So the first question yeah. is, uh, is sea sponge DMT even worth it? Now, what is sea sponge DMT? Do you know what that is? Uh, I think this is, uh, I think this is, sea sponge is a, a marine plant or animal. I don't know. And I, I guess I, right. plant, and I think DMT has been found in there. Uh, is it worth it? I have got no idea. I mean, it's just so easy. It doesn't sound like it. D- back. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't sound like it's worth it. So we're going to move on to the next question. Uh, it says, why is blockhead so good when blasting off? Do you know what blockhead is? I, I thought I read that and I thought maybe it's um, a band. I don't know what it is. I thought maybe uh, you're getting head while you're um, smoking the DMT I, pipe I, or I, having I, sex I, or something. I don't know. I thought, I thought it was called, when I read it, I thought he's calling me a blockhead. And then I was like, oh no, maybe he's referring to a band. I, I don't know who blockhead I don't is. know I mean, either. I don't, I don't listen to music when I'm, you know, smoking DMT. Okay. So that's I, interesting. Yeah. Cause I know yours is like outside open if you can, or the daylight eyes open. Whereas mine is darkness, laying down, soft music, playing blankets. Like I think that's most people's traditional method. And also with DMT, you don't want to be able, you know, you, you can kind of like lose touch with your body in a way where you want to be sitting down and comfortable. You don't want to be standing up with a glass pipe in your hand. Well, what, I mean, the reason for me having silence was I was really focused on that sort of the oh that's true too i i totally agree silence yeah you've got to be able to hear the message and some people i have that ability to kind of like communicate and hear what these things are saying intuitively whereas yeah the music won't set me off but yeah a lot of people they just don't have that ability 
Okay, here's the next question. Have you ever met law enforcement entities? Now I have, and I'll tell you my story, but I want to ask you first. Have you ever met law enforcement entities? Yeah, I um, think I made a, a note on that. Yeah, so in DMT and my cup mind light, I think it's, ex it's it is experience or report 37. I titled it Psycho Spiritual Police Constable. And essentially what happened is I, I smoked in the landing area. Um, above me is a, a light blue concertina light shade. It kind of looks like the thrill of, uh, you know, a sort of uh, a dinosaur, you know, that, that thrill around its neck. And I, I smoked on them. Um, I don't know, whatever entity manifested, it, it, its emotion was like a, a vicious dog. And I was, you know, I was worried, terrified. And then that emotion changed and it was like, um, became like two thuggish teenagers. Uh, and I could sense they were violent, but not in a physical way. And then another entity arrived and, and it began to harry you know, this first entity and uh, this image flashed up in my mind and um, the significance of that is I was able to kind of like recognize or intuit the sort of qualities, the characteristics of this entity that had arrived. And it was kind of like dealing with it, with this entity, almost like a, a psycho spiritual police constable, you know, like hushering it away or questioning what it was doing. But I think, I think the question really, um, when it was asked, is, is more about um, how far we can go into the occult realms, you know, how far are we permitted to go with DMT technology? You know, does it give us a free pass into um, the divine realms or, you know, are, are there entities there beyond which, you know, you're not going to pass unless you're of a certain spiritual maturity. And I, I guess that's what the question was alluding to. I, I, I guess so. Interesting. Well, my experience was I had, uh, I take some penis envy mushrooms and those have a little bit more psilocybin than average than most. And I didn't realize that at the time that these are some very, very potent mushrooms. Mm -hmm. I ended up taking like four or five grams thinking it was just like the normal four or five grams, but really it's like one and a half, two times the potency. So we're talking eight mm -hmm. to 10 grams. So I'm doing, I'm doing four and a half, five grams of mushrooms thinking that they're normal, you know, regular everyday things. And I'm really, I'm really having an, op an open-eyed 10-gram, like I can see hyperspace with my eyes open. It's like DMT yeah. trip, but with my eyes open. And I'm having all these crazy things. I feel like I'm dying. I'm like, no, I don't want to die in the back of my parents' bedroom on mushrooms. This is terrible. Like I really thought I was dying. And I knew I wasn't, but I, there was some part of you that's like, no, buddy, this is it. And then I'm laying there and I'm, I'm, I'm just like, take my clothes off. I'm getting naked. And then the psychedelic police show up. Uh, I hear like uh, a siren. And they're like, get down. And I, and I lay on my bed and I put my hands behind my back. I'm just laying there alone, naked in the dark, listening to these two entities, these powerful like police-like entities behind me. One's a female, one's a male. And they're like, you need to, you know, you, you, you fucked up, you died. What if this was something wrong? Like, what if you took the wrong thing? Like, you're just going to eat these mushrooms like this? You're like, yeah, you think you know what you're doing, hotshot, Mr. Float Universe, but you really don't know what the fuck you're doing. And so you're <laughs> under arrest. And like, it was just a really, really bad trip. But I really, well, I always say the bad trips are the best trips because you learn. And because you learn, you, you remember. And I, I always remember the bad things that happened to me in, in life that I have uh, prevailed through, that I've triumphed over. And it's like, okay, even if that happens to me, I've, I've been through it, I can do it, it's be okay. So yes, I've been arrested by the psychedelic police for going over the limit, uh, very unconsciously going over the limit and taking too many chances. That was my lesson that day. So, okay, cool. Yeah. Okay, here, here's another one. 
This is from Memes Against the Machine. Have you found any dependable ways to create a question for DMT entities in this reality and successfully remember it and deliver the question to said entities in their realm? Yeah, I've got that question. I, you know what? I, I haven't. And I, I guess it depends what the individual's proposing to ask. I mean, on, on ayahuasca, you know, I, I had clear nonverbal invitation to face my own soul. It wasn't a question that I'd thought about asking, but it was more that they were able to ask me the question or make the invitation to me, but it, it was always non, nonverbal. Um, no, I, I've not found a way to ask the entities uh, a question and deliver that question to them. I mean, I, I never really thought to do that. I, um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I mean, if I've asked anything, it's like to try and understand what's going on uh, with these experiences and to try and work out who these entities are and, and ask questions like, you know, uh, am I going to be like you in like, you know, aeons of evolution to come? But no, I haven't. But I, I do believe that. I think I think it's possible. I think I imagine some people have received messages. I mean, bear in mind what. And I mean, maybe it's it's best it's like that. If I'm if I'm here, float, and I'm saying to you, I've been given these messages, and and these messages are for the benefit of all humankind. It's not going to sound good at all. And this is, I think, what Terence McKenna was alluding to when he said it's it's no great accomplishment to hear a voice in the head. The accomplishment is to make sure it's telling the truth um you can look at things like like channeling like the, the spirits book um Hoapsi, a new bible the Urantia book i mean these examples of channeling are, are pretty profound but I, I i've never gone in there with a specific question no well see it's almost the opposite with me i understand to a degree that i'm dealing with some kind of spirit whether it's a version of myself that on, on a higher form that's unfiltered and and uh you know omnipotent omnipresent the higher version of me the highest version god or yeah it's maybe some entity some somebody that's watching over me angels something like that but i always feel whether it's dmt or psilocybin if i have a strong enough intention going in and i can hold on to that intention that I will get some sort of answer one way or the other on that. And it's it, a lot of times it's not going to be the answer I want, but I'm going to, I, I seek the wisdom, right? That's why, I, yeah, you, you want to know what it's all about. I would like to know that as well. But my original intention was always about healing myself or understanding how I got in this position and how can I, how can I unfuck myself, DMT? Please tell me, show me if you can, how can I fix this, remedy this situation, turn my life around, heal myself, please. And mm -hmm. DMT, I'll take experience. I spent a lot of time doing psychedelics and floating, realizing I had been living very unconsciously. And I wanted to, I realized that I couldn't heal my physical aspects of my body uh, until I went upstream and fixed the metaphysical part, what, what was going on in my mind and where it was coming together in the union of the heart. So I, I went backwards. I, I went upstream to the mind. I, I, I said, let's, let's clear house here. Let's figure out what's going on. I used everything at my disposal and eventually leading up to DMT. I realized that a lot of the things I were doing, the way I was acting out was causing me to end up in situations that were causing me physical harm 
for, for basically I was choosing the wrong women. And when I chose the wrong woman, when I made an unconscious choice, I was getting like, I was getting in car accidents. I was getting hit. I was hit on a bicycle. All these things were happening. I was, in, I was encountering extreme physical pain through my unconscious decision-making. And so mm. through, through floating and through creating that stillness, through, through that stillness of floating and then adding the mixture of psychedelics, it was showing me through my intention of trying to understand how I got this way, how to unfuck myself, which ultimately led to DMT through floating and accessing these uh, higher realms of uh, information available to me at the certain time, the DMT ultimately showed me, uh, it said, look, we appreciate what you've done. We, we, we encourage your, your searching and you, we want to help you. And so know that when you get outside of this DMT trip, you're going to find exactly what you need to take it to the next level. And so the next day, sure enough, I found something called Atlas Orthogonal. I have neck problems. I've been, like I said, in a lot of accidents. I'm tall and I've lived unconsciously for a very long time. And that has resulted in many, many head injuries. And my Atlas, is what, which is what holds your head on your neck, right? That, that C1 vertebrae. And mine was all out of alignment. And so that misalignment can cause everything from the neck down to, it's like your connection to God, right? It's like your antenna is broken. And my antenna was very broken. And so DMT showed me this after all this work I had done, because I, it, it demanded the work. You do the mm. psychedelics and you get the information. It's like, okay, I know where to work now. I, it, it, even if you didn't know it before, you know it now. And a lot of times it's just reinforcing what you already know, which is like, hey, dumbass, you already know 10 times ago to stop smoking so much weed, just do it. Right. And so you get the information, you, you hopefully act on it. Right. A lot of times you're given the truth and people don't even act on it or they can't act on it. They're so stuck in their unconscious pattern that they can't act on it as much as they'd like to. They have to kind of deconstruct how they created the pattern. So I'm very thankful for DMT showing me how to fix my neck. Uh, and and it, it was really like what I like about DMT is this. You can take a certain amount of mushrooms, a certain amount of acid, and your, your ego will exist still. It will, you will actually grow your ego more powerfully because you'll enter into these experiences and you'll be like, I'm the, I haven't taken enough. My ego hasn't been suppressed, and I think I'm the master of this domain. And I run into a lot of people are just taking pissants amount, amounts of psychedelics, and they're not getting the lay you on the floor and cry and vomit and shit, <laughs> shit, shit your pants experience. Now, what I like about DMT is if you do it right, it's a guaranteed breakthrough beyond anything you'll get with any other psychedelics, even at very, very high doses of acid. You have to take a very high dose of acid or a very high dose of mushrooms. Uh, and it's not going to be by accident that you do it to get to that same state that DMT is going to take you with very little effort, very little substance. Like that's DMT or LSD is a small substance to the molecule, like the power of how much that can do to you versus how small it is. But DMT is like, I think equally as crazy, if not crazier. So I'm immensely thankful to DMT. I'm thankful that we're having this conversation. I'm thankful that I got the initiation I got the other day and I'm back in the, in the club. Mm -hmm. uh, so I wanna go back to the questions here because I'm getting close to my personal time limit today and I wanna make sure we get everything in here. Now, a lot of these questions are like, just people throwing out questions like, here's one, what do you think about Nikola Tesla? It, it, do, do you think anything worth saying in this podcast right now? Or is it just like the same stuff we all think about Nikola um, Tesla? I mean, I think with the Nikola Tesla thing, like invites you to question. I mean, you know, in, 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 in UFO, UFOlogy, there's this idea that, and, and in Theosophy, the idea that, you know, aliens walk among us. And, you know, Tesla was clearly a, a rare individual i'm i'm not here saying he was an alien but i think from the dmt perspective what's interesting is that 
from what I understand is he was able to hold very clearly in his, in his imagination. He was able to picture and hold very clearly his inventions as kind of like, you know, uh, 3d working models. And I think, you know, that, that sort of power of the mind that he had, but not only that, the, the inventions that he was able to um, come up with to the benefit of mankind, very rare. And I think still largely unsung individual and, and maybe, maybe something otherworldly had incarnate, yeah. incarnated in the flesh with Tesla. You know, I, I certainly do entertain that idea. Interesting fact about Tesla was a celibate too. So he really wasn't a, yeah. a sexual freak, obviously didn't have access yeah. to porn like we did, but uh, I've yeah. done a lot of no fap stuff. And you see a lot of these uh, titans of industry, these tech giants, these geniuses, these great athletes, they don't, they don't masturbate. And then when they do, they do it sparingly. And when they have sex, they also learn to control that. So just, We'll find a way to bring that back around to jacking off. But uh, Tesla definitely, he didn't have sex and he definitely didn't jerk it off. He was taking all that energy and putting it into his machines. And I think that's part of the reasons he was able to visualize what he could visualize was yeah. he had all that uh, energy in his brain from not uh, wanking it all day long. <laughs> well, all right, that... so let's keep going uh, with the questions here. I think you've already answered this one before. Do you believe the experience happens uh, from outside of yourself or within? I think you... I mean, I don't know. What do you think? I think, I think? I think it's a bit of both. I mean, you know, the initial effect is that it powerfully amplifies your mind stuff, which serves as a signal and attracts a powerful non-physical entity. And then you're getting, you know, largely it's a, a visionary experience, but there's also other aspects of the experience, such as a psychic manipulation. And I, again, I don't mean that in an adverse uh, way, uh, certainly not from my experiences. You also get... Um, uh, illusions of mobility, like you're, like you're floating or you're moving, but it's a very good illusion created by the very powerful non-physical entity. So, um, yeah, I think it's a bit of both, you know. Yeah. The, the, the experiences are not our mind under their own steam. Um, you know, they're, they're interactive with powerful agents from hidden nature. Has, now this isn't one of their questions, but this is one of my questions. Has doing this much dmt changed your perspective i mean were you a christian before are you a christian what what's your do you have a, a spiritual belief system that you ascri uh, subscribe uh, to I, yeah i guess it's brought up church of england you know and i, I you know take it to church as a young boy I, I just didn't like it you know it's like there's a man stood up there in a white frock and he's talking about stuff that's i don't know what he's talking about i just want to go and play out i didn't like it um it says a young adult i I got turned on by an individual to theosophy, which is, I guess it's a, a posh word for esoteric and occult literature. And that really answered a lot of questions I'd had burning within me from, from early childhood. It, uh, that really sort of turned me on to, um, yeah, you know, that, that kind of thinking, that kind of, those kind of thought processes. Um, I would say one of the biggest changes from DMT with me is, is maybe not even so much the experiences, but willfully subduing my ego to put myself in a position where I'm going to commit to the pipe. I think that has elicited much of the change within me, maybe even more than the experiences, you know. So, so you think centering yourself for the experience I mean, it's not easy, as you know, and as any listeners who smoke DMT know, it's not easy to commit to. And, you know, every time I say, right, I'm going to commit to DMT, I'm going to smoke a pipe, my ego would be like, whoa, 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 no, 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 we're not doing that. And I, uh, you know, I had to like dig deep and say, you know what, I hear that, but I have to ignore you, otherwise nothing's going to happen. 
And I think willfully subduing my the appeals from my ego not to smoke DMT, I think that elicited a, a significant part of the change within me, the increase in emotional maturity. I, I think that's where a lot of the change uh, comes from. Maybe even more than the experiences. I mean, you know, the experiences are like McKenna said, you, you're going to die from astonishment. You can't believe what you're seeing. But the experience to do it again, it's like walking to your own funeral. You know, it's like, oh. Well, I I, I, you, you say that now, but I had such a good experience the past few days that I'm still in that zone of like, let me go back again. But I'm sure I'll be just, just like you and just like I was a couple months ago. Yeah. No, no, that, no, 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 no. That's the paradox flow. I mean, look, but by and large, the majority of experiences are just beyond fun, beyond playful. I mean, they're just wondrous. And if it's so wonderful, why I, I, I question why why is it so hard to go back to? You know, it, it, it's like a paradox. And I think there's at some level of your mind, you realize that it's not your mind under its own steam, but something very powerful is interacting with you. And I think there's a recognition of that either consciously and or subliminally. Well, that's the thing. You know, I do a lot of time floating and it's like right on the edge of death. But DMT is like you will die. And I've had people who have had experiences where, you know, like I had the one in the bedroom where it's like the pipe tricked me, the DMT tricked me to thinking that though I was in the realm where I could keep hitting this pipe. Well, I had a friend who was like, I died. I flew out of my body. I hovered over my body. She was 100% convinced that she was dead. She was having the classic out of your body experience post death, going to fly out, going to encounter the white light. And she was totally convinced and it really changed her life. And it was a really good thing. But not every time you're going to encounter the jester, not every time you're going to be, you know, the fun kaleidoscope. And so I haven't had that experience. I've had, like I said, plenty of bad experiences, but damn, like it's, it's, uh, yeah, it, it can scare you, but it can also be so enticing. I'm, I'm in the enticement phase again. Like, wow, I want to work with you. I, I want to, I want to better my life. I'm going to stop jerking off again. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to stop smoking weed so I can work with you DMT uh, because it's just uh, so fantastical. And uh, I don't know, I, I, I'm just like you, I feel drawn to it. I wanted to keep going. We're getting close to two hours, which is awesome. Let's see here. Um, okay, method methods, right? I know you like to use the pipe and you, you vape it, right? Do you use like the classic crack pipe with like the bulb and like the, the, the clear bulb with the, the tube? What kind of pipe do you use? No, I never use that classic uh crack pipe. I use, you know, the, the classic DMT machine, which was a miniaturized, brandy bottle with a, a hole drilled or grinded in the base and then some coarse wire mesh in the chamber to like you know sit the dmt within and then pre-melt it and I, you know it, it takes some skill to get vapor rather than smoke but i mean it's not too difficult you use convection currents from the flame rather than direct flame and i i really, I that, well, really that, yeah that was yeah. what was I mean, it, 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 it was very much you know two or three three hits you know um, I've never tried the, is it the, um, the Dabrig, the nail with the, that, the that's, what, that, that's what I was going to ask. Okay. Cause a lot yeah. of people in America, they love to yeah. dab and I've t people are like dabbing is the instantaneous way to get a guaranteed breakthrough because you're yeah. taking so much in at once. But it, here's what I'll say. The caution to that is I have seen people do the DMT dab and they have woken up biting the couch thinking it was something to eat. I've seen people lose their minds because it was too much, too fast. And these are people who have very little psychedelic experience. So you're being thrown from no experience whatsoever. You know, you've, you've, you've seen some, you've seen the walls breathe on mushrooms. Yeah. You've had a little bit of weed from going to a stage 10 fucking DMT trip where you're, you're staring down, uh, 
kaleidoscope eyes of some entity with a million times the strength you do. I mean, I've never used um, a vape pen, but I've I've used a vape device. And I think, you know, I I should say, and there'll be listeners out there appreciate this, that the the proper vape device with the sort of DMT dissolved into uh, a non-nicotine e-juice, that is just unbelievably efficient and effective. I mean, you, I mean, when I consider how much DMT I've, I've used in the sort of classic DMT machine pipe and, and how, how much DMT you can get, I mean, you can get a gram in a, a, a milliliter of um, e-juice and it is just unbelievably effective and efficient. So like, wait, 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 you just, you just mix your crystals with the e-juice? Yeah. So like one mil of e-juice in a little glass, um, uh, jar in a warm water bath put my very clean dmt crystals in there and mix it up it dissolves it stays dissolve it doesn't recrystallize in the um well there you go guys right the there device. and on, but honestly flo it's, it's like it's like you know when i think about how much vapor i used to draw in from the dmt machine i mean like long like one pull got a lung full of vapor there and then the second one but this vape device it's like you're taking in like wisps of of cloud and you are breaking through so easily it's just so efficient and effective uh, yeah it's okay the only I, I like thing that. I, yeah the only thing i've got against it is you know unless you're using it regularly then over the weeks over the months depending on storage whether it's in sunlight or dark conditions it does start to oxidize, it just start to lose its potency and that's the only thing i've got against it but other than that you know it's a, a terrific way to go and, and I'm, I've mentioned I'm also exploring the toad. And what I really like about the toad is it's just one pull. And again, I'm using the, the DMT machine and I just like it's that one pull. In fact, I find it easier now to commit to the toad medicine than I would NN DMT because I just really like that one pull. So what is your machine called again for those people out there? If it's a certain model or something we could get? Um, it's, it's, it's a DIY job. So it, it's, you know, if you go on DMT Nexus and look at the DMT machine, there's a whole page on there with pictures showing you gotcha. how, okay. how, how to make it. You know, I mean, the hardest thing about that is, is drilling your hole in the base of the glass pipe. And I used a, a small hobby drill with a, engraving or grinding attachment and a drop of oil just to slowly drill through the base but yeah i mean and you know i mean that pipes on the cover of second book dmt and my cult mine too you know i was struggling to come up with for an, what what to put on the cover so i thought you know what the pipe has been central to the research let's put the pipe on the cover okay okay oh okay gotcha uh, let's see more questions here let's see what do you think about the archetype of the circus in relation to DMT? Right. So I think on the understanding that there's a, a, a progressive and initiatory aspect at play with these experiences, what seems to be common is that the clowns, the elves, the jesters, these seem to feature at, at the outset of some dish relationship with, with DMT and DMT experiences. And I think there's a reason for that. It, it, it's like, clearly very welcoming it's clearly fun and playful and there's no reason 
having had those experiences, why you wouldn't want to go back. But you will find that the experiences do change over time. I, I would love clowns and jesters now, you know, with DMT. But I, it seems, you, you know, you go beyond that. And it seems that these powerful non-physical entities, they know just where you're at with, with your research, what you've experienced and where you're at. Um, I mean, I, before I'd smoked DMT, I had read, you know, that the, the longer you smoke DMT, the weirder it gets. And that's, that's very true. And that's why I put, um, there's a quote in the book um, from John Lamlash, the Gnostic scholar, about, uh, you know, the, um, the stranger it gets, the more imagination it takes to stay on board. The, more, the stranger it gets, um, the more sense it makes. And the more sense it makes, the more imagination it takes to stay on board. And that speaks to that, to the... Wow. To change of yeah yeah it really spoke to me and um you know so i i love all those sort of gestures and that playful aspect but the if you commit to it and and you pursue it the experiences do change subtly but significantly over time i mean i'd gone through like a whole host of of wonderful visionary experiences but the first time i experienced the the invasive encounters were a portion of the powerful non-physical entity invests itself within your larynx or your abdomen or your thoracic cavity and is doing all your, your cranium, your brain. It's doing all kinds of strange things in there. I mean, I was crying my eyes out after that because it, it, it's, when I say invasive, I don't mean coercively. It's not, it's not, it wasn't with me in a threatening or, you know, uh, a sense, but it's like, when something's operative inside your body and you know, it's unquestionably operative inside your body. Wow. I, I cried my eyes out. I went downstairs and uh, my wife had heard me crying. She said, you okay. I just burst into tears again. And, and then since, since that, you know, the experiences then became invasive, you know, the, the visionary stuff seemed to lessen and uh, you know, it, most of the experience became this in, invasive aspect you know, massages within your brain, um, rooting around in your abdominal cavity, you know, uh, and kind of like sealing up the, um, your windpipe to slowly stymie your breathing. And, you know, I mean, the, 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 these kind of experiences are challenging experiences. And I think, you know, I think they put them there for a reason to see whether you've got the sort of determination to go back, you know, I mean, when something's slowly reducing your capacity to breathe from inside and you're on the verge of, of panic and just before you give in to horrible panic, it, it vanishes just like that and you find you can breathe. I mean, going back after experiences like that is it's pretty challenging, but yeah, that's what I'm saying. The, these, these experiences do have a, a progressive and a initiatory aspect at play, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Uh, I saw that quote. I reposted it last night because I feel like what I'm going through now is that, which is before I wasn't ready for it or, you know, I, I, I was in the wrong space to, to explore it like you're doing. I was OK to just jump in and get the information I needed to help myself. But now I feel like if I do decide to continue to explore this, I've been initiated. And your courage, your book, your you're being an inspiration out there. Uh, definitely 
reignited that because I'm like, I got to talk to this guy. And I really feel like I needed to, I feel like a lot of times when I'm talking to someone, whether they're drunk, drinking alcohol, smoking weed or consuming nothing, I try to be a lot of times on the same level as that person. I try to imbibe that same frequency and try to be there with them. Not to say that you're a full on DMT frequency, but I feel like to, to remember what DMT was like, uh, because as much like it's like a dream, you can remember these powerful dreams that happened years ago, but there's a lot of details that you forget. And so as much as those experiences were powerful before, I really needed to, I really wanted to reinvestigate a little bit of DMT before I talk to you because yeah. it's just, it's just, I don't know, the smell, the experience, yeah. the, the feeling of being crushed or losing complete, complete and other ego disillusion. I really wanted to remember that. And the book really like, I'm telling you, I read about probably three stories in and I'm like, you know what, I'm pulling the pen out and I'm going for it. And I don't care what happens because really the truth is, you know, you're going to come back. You will come back alive. I know mm. you, I know you had mm. a story in there where you, you, you said that there was an entity that was, it could totally have just snuffed you out if you wanted yeah. to, but do yeah. you really believe that you really believe there was a point that maybe you couldn't come back? No, I mean, I believe these entities have the capacity to absolutely convince you that you are doomed and, and you know, it's within their power to um, stop you from coming back. I, I don't think it would have done, but I certainly believe it had the capacity to do that. And I think a lot of it is, it's, it's mind tricks. I mean, I've had, what, there must be three of the sort of classic little death experiences where you smoke DMT and you are absolutely convinced you have died. I mean, uh, mine wasn't like your friend where she, she'd left a body and she's looking down at a body. Mine was just, you know, you're in the room, the room has, completely changed there was a storm raging outside and now it's complete silence i mean eerie silence you know uh, i mean the, the the tricks these entities have it's just such a deep bag of tricks you know um yeah i, I mean you know I don't, I, I felt I felt it had the power to snuff me out. I was terrified to, to say the least, because it was a qualitatively very different entity um, in that experience. But yeah, you know, I don't want to meet too many of those. I'll be honest. Yeah. Well, my, you know, I had a, a friend here that uh, had a pen and the good thing about the pen, I will say is you don't really need a trip sitter to, t to hand that pipe mm. over to is you're not dealing with a hot glass pipe and the torch or whatever else you're whatever method you're using you can just mm. you can just lay back so i had a guy that comes in here he had a dmt pen and this was at a time i didn't want to touch it so I, I would just let him like go do whatever you want he would get in the float tank he would tell me and he would take his hits get to the point drop put the pen down and then lay into the float tank and he said he encountered baphomet and he told me that Baphomet was telling him that there was too many people that were getting in this float tank that were eating meat and that there was a lot of negative energy in the float tank because, uh, I mean, this is what he was feeling. And sometimes, again, I feel like when you're talking to a psychic or you're talking to someone, you are getting the, you're getting the information through the lens of their subjective experience. So my friend was a vegan and he's very, at the time, I don't know how, how he is now, but he was very anti-meat, which is fine. Uh, totally on board with that. But I think sometimes like you'll sit with a psychic and they will tell you certain things about you, but because they have judgments that they don't even know they have, that's their mm -hmm. filter that they're projecting onto you. And so a lot of times psychics will give you some interesting information, but it always has, I always have to go back and think about, okay, there was some truth to that, but I feel like a lot of this is from, you know, they're giving me their judgment through their subjective lens. Mm -hmm. And so I don't even know where I'm going with this, but, uh, we're going to move on to the next question because 
I just, I, I've been so, I'll be honest with you. Over the past three days, I've smoked DMT probably like 10 times. And I'd say about half of those times, oh yeah, I'd say about half of those times, the entities are like, we told you you're not coming in today. You've already had your one trip for the day. Go, go away, save this stuff. But I was so like, oh, I love this. This is great. Just annihilate me. Uh, I want to feel what Dick was going through. I want to, you know, your book is very inspiring. So anyway. Thank you. Next question is from 5D Awakening Consciousness, a good friend of mine. Have you ever seen the Buddha in hyperspace? I mean, I haven't, no. I, I can't say I have. I haven't. I've, um, I, I've not had any Egyptian themes. I've not had any um, Buddha themes. So, um, no, I haven't. And maybe there's a reason for that. I, I don't know what that reason would be. Um, I don't know. Uh, let's see here. Here's another one. What's up with the ship, shippy bow image that I see on the walls after smoking a little? Um, I don't even know what a ship bow image is, a shippy bow. I think shippy bows, um, I think that's um, a tribe in the um, Amazon. And I think they're known. That's what for, I, yeah, that's yeah, what I thought. Yeah, weaving um, geometric patterning into um, textiles. And I guess, I guess they're, they're making representation of, of that sort of, the geometric commencement of an ayahuasca experience where or, or like a smoke dmt experience where you can get that sort of geometry before you you break through i, I guess they're making that representation yeah all right next question here here's a good this is just a very simple question can you summarize what you've learned into a few main bullet points yeah that um um I mean, subjective to my experiences, but DMT has given me irrefutable evidence of the existence of otherworldly beings uh, that give credence to the uh, esoteric uh, occult literature around the world. The religions, the myths, the legends that all speak of otherworldly beings for me, you know, it's given me irrefutable evidence that, that, that uh, those are, you know, um, factually correct. Awesome. I'm just trying to weed some of these questions. I feel like we've already answered in the course of this interview. And so I'm trying to just, I mean, I know you took, took notes. Were there any questions that you looked at and were like, I want to answer that question or that was a good yeah, question? Yeah, there, there was a couple. I mean, somebody said, have you dealt with any psychosis? And, I, was about, um, I was about to ask that one actually. Yeah, so that's perfect. That's a great question. And, you know, I mean, we remind ourselves that psychosis is a condition that affects the way your brain processes information you lose touch with reality, uh, see, hear, or believe things that aren't real. I mean, you, you could almost argue that, well, that's DMT experience. You know, you can't prove it's real. It, it, it's what you see. But yeah, I mean, you know, in the second book, I think it starts from report 81. Uh, title was Neither Shaft Nor Head. And I smoked DMT. I mean, as I say earlier, your ego's always saying, no, no, don't smoke it, don't smoke it. But that's particular, particular day, it was like, my ego was screaming at me, don't do it. And if you're going to do it, do it outside. And I didn't, and I smoked it inside. And there was no like, increase in my um, tinnitus, which was unusual. And um, I, I, I ended up feeling extremely vulnerable. And I, I like, you know, to external occult influences. And I ended up on my hands and knees looking at the sort of, you know, the tryptamine patterning on the, the carpet and... Um, wasn't in a good space and got up and put the pillows back on the bed. And I came back and this thought entered my head and I, I'm not going to be explicit, but I've tried to drop as many hints in that report and, and the, the reports that follow that. But it was kind of like baleful notions against my wife, who I love very much and I'm, I'm blessed to have found. 
and I could not shift that thought from my head. And I, I went outside. I was like, God, I'm, I'm, let me get in the fresh air. Okay, now I need to do something to take my mind off that. And the first thought that came to my head was, let me go and chop some wood with an axe. But there's like, oh my God, that's like, um, you know, here's Johnny and Jack Nicholson in, you know, The Shining, like, God, what am I thinking about? Don't chop any wood. And <laughs> I, it, uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, it, 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 it genuinely became troublesome because I, I was, go, I'd not, didn't tell my wife about this, I was going to work. And these thoughts were coming up in my mind and I, I, it was like they were beyond my capacity to control and I was genuinely worried for my mental health. Um, and even selfishly worried that this could represent the end of my DMT research. And I say that selfish because it is. I mean, what was on my mind was unspeakable. Um, and I, I tried DMT a couple of times again, and, and this, this thought was just horrible and seemingly outside my control. And in the end, I, I realized that I'm going to have to raise this matter with my wife. And I did. And I, I had to be candid with her, far more candid with her than I am in, in my book. And she was just so good and so understanding. And, and she didn't even say stop smoking DMT. She just said, give it a break. Um, and that's the right thing to do, you know, with, with kind of like dark thoughts like that is bring them out into the light and shine a light on them and speak to people and, and share with people how you're feeling. This is how mental health should be dealt with. So I, I would say that left a scar on my mental health. I suppose it's like if you're playing sport like football or rugby, you know, you, you're going to get injured at some point. If you don't, then you're probably not playing the game properly. And whilst I'm not proud of, of of what i've outlined there it is the truth and and I, I i guess looking back it's really given me a much deeper insight into human psyche my psyche in terms of that that those darker quarters that we all have you can't pretend you don't have them and i feel that really matured me intellectually emotionally uh and again, it's something that I will always have to live with. It's always there. You know, every time I sort of smoke DMT, there's a chance that that can come back. But And it has done, but I'm, I'm comfortable with it. I can deal with it. So, yeah, I kind of document that as far as I dare in, in book two. It's a great question, by the way. Yeah, no, I've had uh, instances where I felt like it's some entity, and this is on, on DMT, but I've been possessed and I've been, the awareness watching this possessed being inside of me have all these thoughts. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, this is interesting. I know, for example, I, I can channel people that are alive. So what I've come to maybe understand is all the information, dead or alive, people that, is, they all exist at once. So you can channel yeah. dead people, you can channel people that are alive right now, even shit, I mean, people that are yet to be born, but then how would you know you're channeling them if we don't know they exist? But what I'm saying, is all the information exists simultaneously and if you're empty enough sometimes these things can drop right in and have a conversation with you to the point where you think that they're completely behind the wheel and sometimes it feels like they are behind the wheel and you're just watching and that's where it gets scary oh, for, for, for sure i mean many times at the conclusion of the, the main part of the dmt experience i would have all kinds of voices in my head you know always speaking english maybe i had a couple of french ones sometimes but speak and, and just like snippets of conversation from different voice i've had i've had american female accents i've had, and, and they're like you can never sort of pick up on a, a complete thread of what they're saying but like so many like voices and and there was one in particular where i was listening it sounded like an old woman 
And I can't remember what she was saying, but I, I kind of formed in my mind that she sounded like she'd had some sherry, like she'd had a drink. And, and it was in my mind, like, sounds like she'd been drinking sherry. And straight away, this voice, she, she like came back at me and she said with great indignation, I beg your pardon. <laughs> and, it was dire- and I was like, oh, sh- shit, man, she, she heard my thoughts. Who is she? <laughs> And I think, I think what you say is, is right, you know, it all exists at once, you know, the, the astral shells of the dead, it's all out there. I mean, the thing with DMT is you, you're opening yourself up to these powerful non-physical entities, but there's all the kind of like peripheral stuff as well, you know, the, 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 the astral shells out there and, you know. The well, that's the thing, do, do, do you think a lot of these entities could be your ancestors or your elders, your, 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 you, know, you know what I mean? Like, it's not just random, you know, or maybe it's just like random ghosts, like you're in, like, for example, you're in a park, you're taking DMT, you're in a specific energy field there in that location. Maybe somebody died there, maybe somebody had a peak experience and their energy signature is also there one way or the other. And maybe through uh, thinning the veil through DMT use, you are accessing uh, through random, maybe random, maybe by virtue of your uh, vibration at the time, but you're able to connect to that prior imprint on the field. That's my takeaway from psychedelics in general. And, you know, DMT from your experiences seems to in a lot of ways back up my theory. Yeah, I'd, I'd buy that. I think it comes down to, you know, if, if, if the, what you've smoked, how much you've smoked and the frequency it, it emits from you, is in tune with that or can pick that up then for sure you know you can be receptive to that i think by and large the dmt experience proper is you're attracting i mean the, the path i'm going down is these powerful non-physical entities are, are, are the, you know the the demons from um you know uh, archaic philosophy or ancient philosophy you know partaking of both human affection and divine power and i think by and large that's what we're attracting. And I think you can make, and there are arguments, I'm not able to give them fully now, but I will do in book three, that argues that from some point in our ancient history, then these are our, our ancestors. So let me, th- let me ask you this, aliens. Uh, do you believe that, I'm, I'm a believer that there may be two kinds of aliens. There may be interdimensional, which is what you're encountering on a DMT trip. And there are also uh, beings physical beings within our 3D realm that we're consciously sharing right now that also exist in form. Now, what's your take on aliens? Yeah, I, 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 I buy into that. I mean, I was always a little bit hesitant to kind of like commit to that rabbit hole, but from what I've read uh, and what I'm reading, and, and, and I think there's good examples out there. I mean, you know, the Christian mystic back in the Renaissance period is Jacob Bohem. He was a young boy working in a, a cobbler shop, in a shoe shop, and a, a man came in and, um, you know, asked him the price of a pair of shoes, and, and, and Jacob kind of like well overpriced the shoes, just hoping to get rid of the gentleman, and the gentleman paid, but before he left, he told Jacob that, I don't remember exactly what he said, but it was along the lines of, you know, you're going to cha- change the course of history, or you're going to be something, somebody incredible, special, and you know, there's other aspects to the story, but lo and behold, it came true. Now, who the hell was that individual that would walk in, buy a pair of completely overpriced shoes, and then tell a young boy that, you know, you, you're going to be someday exceptionally special, and that come come true? I mean, you know, that's potentially one example. But yeah, I completely buy into that. And, and there are books out there that are really speak powerfully to that. And uh Ash, really interesting. I mean, you know, is it in the Bible? It says, you know, um, 
or somewhere you know you should entertain strangers because some people have entertained strangers unaware that they've been you know hosting angels you know yeah no uh, i totally totally agree yeah i mean it's a crazy thought but yeah i mean i think it just speaks to there are powers watching and guiding and sometimes directly involved even if behind the scenes you know guiding steering humanity it's really it's a really out there consideration but you know it's a really out there universe so what do we expect well that's the thing dmt just kind of proves that in psychedelics in general if you've never done any psychedelics you've never had any meditation or peak experiences with any substance or any through grace of god any peak experience they prove to you that outside of your standard operating consciousness, something else exists. So by default, there's something going on that's not just you know materialist, uh, you live and you die. So that's where my spiritual journey kind of really started back for me when I started getting into hypnosis and then, which led to the flow tank. This is about six years ago. But mm -hmm. I, I realized I'm like, I, I, you know, I just assumed at a certain point, okay, you can get drunk, you can get a little stoned. You get to, mm -hmm. I didn't realize how many levels there were to the mind mm -hmm. and reality. And there's different, you know, like layers of an onion. We're just experiencing one 3D layer of it, right? There's mm -hmm. many, many in, infinite, if, if you will, dimensions of reality that your mind creates. And so that's been my understanding. And so now talking to you, I, you know, you, you, a wise person understands that they're never going to know it all. You never can figure it out. And in fact, the universe is ineffable. That's my takeaway. Yeah, as, much as, I, as much as I think I know, one thing I know for a fact is I'll never understand how the mechanism actually works. Mm -hmm. um, and so I don't know. I, I just live that lifestyle of being open and you've really... I, I used to think, well, I kind of think I have DMT figured out. It's like a kind of a weird reflection of my uh, unfiltered uh, stuff, whether it's unconscious or conscious together, I don't know, but it's just this unfiltered reality. And these beings are manifestations outwardly of these things I need to understand or learn. But, but, but reading your stuff and talking to you and knowing you now for these past few years, I know obviously that that's just not the case. I don't, I don't, I'm not saying you're right. I'm not saying I'm right. But I think somewhere in between, there's an ineffable truth out there to DMT. But because it's ineffable, because we're limited by our finite minds, and I think that's a beautiful thing. I, don't, I, I think it's beautiful to get to a point where you don't need to know the answers to everything. And I, I think I finally reached that point. And for another reason, you don't sometimes want to know the answer to certain things. It's not something you want to hear. But um, I think I think what's interesting is because it's I think we're still very much at the um, early stages of, of sort of data collection. And I think, you know, um, my book is some small contribution to that. And I think everybody else has even, you know, reports on the Internet. It's all contributing to that sort of early stages in data collection. I think I think eventually there'll have to be some kind of consensus agreement among adherents and i don't, don't don't think we're anywhere near there yet but I, I can see it's like it's going to be creation of a new mythology you know uh, you can kind of like see that that seed is there and, and and you know the sort of dmt experience and how it's really gripping the way or really steering the west and in a different direction oh yeah and i think you can see a new mythology springing up from that what it will be and what it will look like or sound like i don't know you know it's it's all to play for i guess well you know this is just 
a tool, I think, to help in humanity right now. I think we're going through a, a great awakening. I think that things are going to ultimately, things are scary right now. It looks like a bunch of totalitarians are trying to take over the planet. But I think like everything else, like we get something like LSD is a perfect example. The government gets a hold of it. You think they're going to mind control people. They're going to manipulate our reality through the use of LSD. But what happens is it becomes an awakening agent. You know, the, the 60s, mm. happened, the, you know, the hippies, all these things, the counterbalance to the nefarious side of what we try to do with these things, the, the dark side, I think you only need a little bit of good to overtake a whole lot of evil. And so yeah. you, you, oh, we're going to do MK ultra. Oh, we're going to brainwash people. Oh, we're going to do this and that with LSD. We're going to just dump it on uh, the population and make them go crazy. But then it gets into the mainstream and it becomes an awakening agent. So it's actually working against them. And so I feel like DMT is the same thing. You try to suppress it. Um, you try to keep it hidden and it only creates more curiosity. Like, why are you hiding these uh, why are you hiding this? It's not dangerous. It's not going to kill you. It's not going to kill you. So let's just, I want everybody to understand with this interview, if you've never done drugs before, if you're worried about because it's illegal, understand it's illegal, not because it's going to hurt you. There's no, is there, is there a lethal dose? I don't think there is. It's only going to, it's not even going to kill you by astonishment. You're not going to die through astonishment, but uh, it's, it's illegal because it's going to wake you up to the fact that you are asleep to a lot of things and those things can be very subjective. So, you know, it's not, there's not this objective experience. It's, DMT is very subjective in my experience. Um, there are some things that we commonly share with the experience, but I think it's very personal for, for a reason. And uh, it's a manifestation of your own energy or, or I think your, your, your theory of your, your, your attracting uh, through the use of DMT entities also on that same plane. I think sometimes they're curious. They're just as curious as we are. You know what I mean? Like, like, holy shit, like this thing has just appeared from the other side. Like how, what is, like, you know what I yeah. mean? Like, I, I agree. And I, th I think intention of individuals plays a, a large part in this. I mean, you know, my intention was to investigate. I mean, typically I, I would smoke my three hits and whilst I'm smoking that third hit in my mind, I'm like, right, I'm, going to lay back and I'm going to be so sharp and observant. So I, I, you know, I did have an intention. It was to understand what was going on. You lay back and try to be super observant before you know what's what it, it looks like you're in another realm. But I like to think that through sort of pursuing it, you know, again and again and again, I came to some, some degree of understanding. I'm not saying it's the whole truth, but it, you know, it's something that we can, what people can consider. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, you've, you've, get, you've given a lot here for people to consider. I want to start moving in the direction of wrapping things up. There are a few more questions sure. here. I do want to answer. Um, one is, what is your go-to-bed routine? This is one of the questions from the... Uh... <laughs> yeah. I mean, do you know what? I, my job necessitates working some regular hours and then occasionally some unusual hours, including weekends. And I've been doing that for years and I really love that routine. So, I mean, there's been times where I've come back at two o'clock in the morning and I've been able to smoke DMT. I've not done that so much recently. I, I mean, the danger with that is and my family's upstairs asleep. And if I start like move to ecstatic laughter, I'm going to wake them up. But, you know, yeah. So my, my go to bed routine is, 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 up and down but i really like that i like the freedom it gives me outside of sort of regular nine to five hours now, let me ask you this I, I i had a theory and this is one of my personal theories that when we're doing unconscious we're, when we're working on our unconscious stuff via lsd mushrooms whatever i feel like sometimes we're clearing out 
what our, what our dreams are trying to tell us. Like, you know what I mean? Like if we can't, if we don't actively seek what we need to do, the dreams are there to give us the information to push us. Now I, I struggle with this because I don't, I smoke a lot of weed and I don't really have dreams, but I also have this theory that because I've done so much psychedelic work, because I've attacked the unconsciously, very consciously, because I've, I want to integrate as much as I can, that I don't have dreams. Now, do you think doing DMT, because, you know, supposedly the pineal gland is producing DMT, DMT at night, which is creating your dreams. Do you think, has DMT affected your dreams? Do you dream? What do, what's your dream like? Life yeah, like? no, I mean, I've always been, you know, I've always enjoyed really powerful, powerful dreams. I, I mean, I've, I've always dreamt. I mean, you know, I've got two boys and I say to one of them, what did you dream? And, and they'll tell me what I dreamt. And I ask the other one, what did you dream? He's like, I don't remember. And, you know, I kind of like dream, you know, every night, you know, I really enjoy them. I've had lucid dreams where you, you control the dream. It's very much like a DMT experience. I've had dreams wherein I've actually smoked DMT or taken other substance. And that's quite, it's quite remarkable that you're like in a dream and you're kind of like having a, a DMT experience. I think what's significant and recent in my life is um, since pursuing the toad medicine, I've become far more conscious of, of my sort of breathing. And it's something that I've been on and off with for years. And I have found even just within the last few weeks that really committing to, to deep breath work does significantly alter your dreams. And, and even while you're sort of laid in bed and just drifting to sleep, you know, I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but it's true that you kind of get that like almost DMT realm esque visuals within your mind. And I, I know for sure I've only got that because I've really sort of done some, some breath work. And as I say, this is all within the last few weeks. And I know um, John Chavez of DMT Quest, I know he's very strong on this. You know, he, he's a proponent of strong breath work supported with, uh, you know, uh, Amalas can be a really powerful experience. And just with my limited experiences of breath work over the last few weeks, I can see that genuinely could be a, a very powerful experience but i think you've got to put the work in well that's the work. thing and that's why that's yeah. why i talk about like okay yeah it's dmt is not exactly cheating but it's like you want to have that peak experience without any like sitting yeah. in a cave breathing it's there and that's what i like about yeah. it it's the immediacy yeah. of the experience versus you know are you gonna it, 20 years in a cave how reliable is that like so <laughs> i've had people when i was really into promoting psychedelics couple years ago i was like really really into it uh being very vocal about it and i was on a beach one day and i was talking about dmt and how great it was and then this guy it's a, a white guy comes off the beach wearing a turban so he's like a sikh like a muslim mm -hmm. or not a muslim mm -hmm. but a sikh uh, an indian sikh but he's a white guy full beard full turban like my age so like a younger guy and he's like dude he's like if you he's like if you do what i do if you do the breathing You'll never need to smoke DMT. You will have a walking DMT experience. And, I, and I, I, at, at that point, I did research. And for sure, Wim Hof, holotrop yeah. holotropic breathing, all these methods. I have experienced uh, the edge of that. I have never yeah. had a DMT experience from breathing. Yeah. but So I know it's possible, but it does. Yeah. One thing I've realized, I mean, God damn, like breathing is a lot of effort, like heavy, hard. <laughs> yeah. it, it, it is really, it, it takes some effort. So I, yeah. I, I find myself being lazy. I, I agree. I think, I think it, it takes to the edge, but there's no 
I don't believe that any amount of breath work is going to take you anywhere near like, you know, a, a substantive dose of DMT and a full breakthrough experience, you know, a full interaction with a powerful non-physical entity from hidden nature, but certainly well, take it to the edge. I'm, I'm impressed with what I've seen on the limit. Well, the average person, the average person, yeah. we're not talking yeah. about, because like, for example, yeah. I'm sure you've heard this, this story and I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure of the details, but Terrence McKenna talks about giving DMT to like a Buddhist monk and yeah. the Buddhist monk is like, or he's like, what is this like? What, what is this like for you? And the monk is like, well, this is like the outer edges of the bardo. Any yeah. further than this and you die, you can't come yeah. back. So yeah. I thought that was interesting that somebody yeah. who uh, was a peak spiritual practitioner, somebody who is meditating in a temple all day long, living that lifestyle, they say, this mm. is what it's comparable to. But you're right. The average person off the street, the unconscious idiot, useful idiot out there is not going to be able to sit down. It's going to take probably months, if not years for them to get to that point where they can mm. breathe and get to the edge, if not a full on. Like, cause I, you, I really believe you've got to be a full on 20 year practitioner to have mm. a walking DMT experience. Yeah. Or you just by virtue of your birth. So I'm glad, yeah. I, I'm glad that you're still on the frog thing because I, I kind of want to wrap it up. We're getting close to two and a half hours. It's, I, we started at 5 a.m. here. It's now 7.30. I usually do these at night, but again, you're in the UK. Thanks again for uh, doing the morning thing with me. No uh, so, so we, well, actually one more thing, salvia divinorum. Now, I, I, I thought no. you were, were going to go from DMT to salvia because I feel like they're very similar in their bizarreness. What's your experience with salvia? I'll be honest, I know salvia is not everybody's cup of tea, but I'm, I, I really, I hold that in such high regard as, um, as a, I mean, I'm talking, let's talk about the, the, the extracts, the times five, the times 10, the times 20 and above, you know, and I, it goes up to silly numbers. I hold it in very high regard because from what I've experienced, and again, this is eyes open in daylight conditions, it's capacity to manifest your mind stuff and in such a unique way very different to our acid and mushrooms and certainly our dmt and even 5meo dmt manifest your mind stuff it's so unique it, it, it just seems to unleash your immaterial self in a sort of titanic you know powerfully way i you know i've seen like my own psycho spiritual substance slowly pass above me like 20 30 feet above me in a in a wave like fashion i hold it in such high regard i'm not especially experienced with it i'm a real i would have to say one of my most favorite psychedelic experiences is fresh salvia leaf or rehydrated salvia leaves chewed in a quid you know 15 minutes chew it in the mouth and then you've got a 45 minute experience, which is, is completely manageable. And in a dark room, I'm, I'm a real big fan. And it's something that I hope I've got the wherewithal, the capacity rather to. Uh, oh, you do. If, listen, further. Uh, the guy yeah. that wrote the Bible on DMT trips. I mean, another thing uh, before I forget this book, this original book, I don't think it's available anymore. And not only that, it's a collector's item. I think I saw it on amazon for like 800 900 dollars yeah, i tell you what that blew me away and and i you know i i almost said i wish it was me selling it you know i'm not motivated by the money with with the books at all it's, it's not about the money at all uh, but that blew me away and i mean i, I only retired that book because i just thought it was too big and too wordy and when that published dmt and my occult mind too the writing style was very different it was uh, far more direct, far more succinct, 
and I just felt it kind of jarred with the writing style in DMT, the original DMT in my occult mind. So that's why I retired it. I, I do wish I'd bought about 20 or 30 copies, but I don't. I've got a beat up copy and I've got three proof copies marked, not for resale. Uh, but yeah, that blew me away. So, uh, yeah, I mean, well, no, I, I love it. I have yeah. a, a signed uh, collector's copy here. Uh, I, I feel like something like this, like, like I want to do a book too. And it feels like my book's kind of coming together the same way yours, maybe I'm assuming did. You just have all these trip reports you kind of just put mm -hmm. together and you yeah. kind of, uh, you know, had an overall story you wanted to tell and you kind of edited it to find it. But I'm kind of I'm kind of working on a book myself with memes and the stuff that we've been doing over the past six years on Instagram, and so it's been a process of like wanting to I have ideas, but it's kind of like steering itself. Did the did writing the book kind of like take on a life of its own, or did you really have to force it? No, I mean I mean first thing is it was a lot of hard work. I mean hours and hours and hours and hours over weeks and weeks and months and months but you know what every minute i i thoroughly enjoyed it, it was never like i had to force myself to do it, it was like you know a day at work come home i've dinner right okay I'm, i can't wait now i'm gonna gonna you know finish up writing that dmt report or finish up writing that chapter i loved every minute of it it, it was um pleasure and a privilege but yeah an immense amount of hard work and commitment Okay, last question here. We're going to end with the toad. So uh, this, this, this year has been an interesting year, uh, actually the last whole year, 2020. I don't know if you're familiar with Hamilton's Pharmacopoeia at all, but he had an episode a year or two ago where it was he had thought he had discovered the original guy who had found the method of squeezing the, the toad and finding the 5-MeO-DMT. The well, he comes back again this year with a new episode showing that uh, he was wrong. He, basically, he had discovered the truth and that some basically a white guy like 30 years ago, 40 years ago, just decided to start squeezing toads and he accidentally discovered this substance, which is very similar to the NN DMT, but it's obviously much different uh, chemical composition. I've never personally done 5-MeO DMT. I have access to it. I've been afraid of it. I'm not as afraid of it as I was uh, prior to this past week of getting ready to talk to you. So somebody who smoked that much NN DMT, and now you're in the world of the toad DMT, how did this start for you? How did you make the transition? How did you acquire it? What's the story with the toad? Yeah, I mean, first of all, let me just say, I wasn't aware of that, that story. And that story that you've just recounted there is sinking into me. I just love that story about the, the guy squeezing toads. I, I'm it's incredible, you know, that. because they- Yeah, they, I, got, I got to check, check that story out. That That's just really struck a, a chord with me. Um. I mean, you know what? I mean, I tell you what, from writing books, you know, I've managed to connect with so many amazing people all around the world. And I've made some really good and long lasting friendships and relationships. And as a consequence of those, I mean, people have actually, you know, been so generous to gift me, you know, research worthy quantities of, of toad medicine, both, you know, traditional toad medicine and, and synthetic 5-MeO-DMT. And I've had it for such a long time. And I, I, I think, I think guess since publishing DMT and Mike called mine too, I, I, I still do in psychedelics, but nothing like what I used to. And I knew eventually that I'd have to sort of turn my mind to a 5-MeO-DMT. And I'd said I'd do it in spring of this year. And good to my word, I have. I, I picked it up, I think, just within the last few weeks. I think I'm up to nine or ten experiences flow i gotta say man that it's just a different ball game altogether i mean 
I mean, my first, I mean, I started with a traditional toad medicine. And I think it was like six milligrams. I was outside on my boys, giant trampoline. And just that, and I genuinely thought it sat in the pipe for such a long time. I thought this stuff's going to be stale. Let's just get it out of the way. And I smoked this, and I did commit to the pipe. Held it down, held it down, held it down. And that first experience, it, it bested all my DMT experiences by far. Wow! Blew them out of the water. It was like differently, differently, differently. Um, I, so last. A few experiences. I've got up to twelve milligram. I mean, this stuff is just potent beyond belief. And and the last four times I've smoked twelve milligrams, every time I smoked it, I, it uh, the uh, just as the experience has started, I'm saying I'm never going to touch this substance ever, ever again. And I mean it so sincerely. And at the end of the experience, I mean, the last time with twelve milligrams, I was like crawling under the bed like wailing to the universal mummy and daddy i promise you universal mummy and daddy i'll never touch this stuff ever i'm wailing meaning it it is a level of potency that uh, forgive me and i'll probably upset people saying this but i just think it's incomparable to nndmt it's a different level well that's the I, thing I, I, I hear these stories and i feel like it's not even it shouldn't be, it should away. be it shouldn't even be in the same category it, uh, listen i and I, I, one of those 12 milligram experiences, I came out and I, I genuinely felt it stuck in my mind that the NNDNT experiences compared to the toad medicine experiences, they're just, it's like, it's like free base NNDNT. It's like an idle curiosity compared to free base toad DMT. And I, I, I kind of like feel bad saying that because I've invested so much heart and soul into the DMT, you know, NNDNT. And, 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 and when I'm sober and I reflect on that, I feel, no, it, it can't be. Even like that first toad medicine experience, I'm like, am I really saying it bested all my DMT experiences? On reflection, I start to question it. But in the moment, it's without question. It, it's a different level. It's, I, I, Let it's me ask like, you this. I, 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 do you know what? As a, as a writer, it, it, it's terrible because it genuinely is ineffable. It's like there's so little I can say about it without just sort of waffling and rambling about how ineffable, ineffable it is. So it's well, that's the hard part. Yeah. Challenge. Yeah. Okay. So there's my experience with watching the trip reports, listening to these things is it's a white light experience for the most part. It's like return to source, not too much entity contact. My, you know, my, my trepidation about 5-MeO-DMT, which is why you're brave to do it alone, is usually they, people are recommending a trip sitter, and I can see why. A lot of people physically, I watch these trips with the 5-MeO, and they're, 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 they're agitated. They're foaming at the mouth a little bit. They're having issues. And uh, it seems like it's not as easy of a trip physically than in in. What do you think? It's, I mean, what I like, when I say like about it, I really like that it's just one pull on the pipe rather right. than three pulls. For, for, for just psychological reasons, I just find that easier. I, I you know, I am doing it alone. And I, I consider that because I've got so much experience with NNDMT that I, I, I'm comfortable doing it on my own. And, I, you know, I do it as best I can in a manner where I consider I'm safe. But I tell you what, if if you're not experienced with it, I, I guess I would have to say, consider getting a trip sitter. I can see why it, it necessitates. Something yeah. Like that. That, that, that said, I, I know I'm taking risk, but I, I consider that 
I'm sufficiently experienced with with the NN version to to pursue it alone. And I don't don't really have, and I wouldn't want my wife watching over me. I would feel so self conscious. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like uh, that's why I find it hard to want to enter that space of five meo. It's like I want to be with somebody who's not going to judge me and be like just like let this man spaz out and and like foam at the mouth and tremor and sweat. I mean, even if, even if you watch the Hamilton, the, the first one he did with the toad medicine, the guy that's taking the toad medicine is struggling. Hamilton doesn't struggle like he does, like the other guy does. But I actually ended up talking to that guy on Instagram, like when that episode came out, and he's like, mm-hmm. "Yeah," he's like, "Bro," he's, he's, he's like, "It looks bad," but he's like, "It was the, the best thing that's ever happened to me." <laughs> so, it just, it's, I mean, you know, I mean, what, what you said about entity contact—that that's a question I'm really intrigued by because. It's such an internal experience. I, I've not really found any entity contact. That said, I I, um, I, I had eight milligrams, which was the last of a, a batch that, that somebody had gifted me. And I was so, I was like, thank God it's only eight milligrams because the last four on 12 milligrams have just, just been beyond intense. And I was like, is this an entity contact thing or not? And the eight milligrams, man, it, it was beautiful. This was on Sunday, so just a couple of days ago. And it was, it was just beautiful, just so blissful and so, it's just beautiful. And that, you know, it it did feel like an entity had had lulled me into that beautiful, blissful state, but I don't know, it's just such a different experience to NNDMT. I hope I can commit further to it, but you know, you know, I'm no different to anybody else. There's times when I'm a coward and there's times when I'm a hero, but you know, uh, the book's not going to write itself. So if I want to publish DMT in my comments, I'm really going to have to get some research under my belt. Yeah. So one final question about uh, 5 mio yeah. you, you mentioned uh, synthetic versus non-synthetic. And see, this has been one of Hamilton's big push. He's a chemist. He wants to make uh, synthetic and make that the thing for people because the toad's endangered and, and by making the toad popular, it becomes more endangered. And at a certain point, we won't even have the toad to milk. So having done both, I have this theory and it's the same thing with adrenochrome, right? I don't know if you know about adrenochrome, but it's like, yeah. synthetic, you know, we're not going to get into that today, but my, my theory is, okay, synthetic versus like the spirit, right? The spirit of a child in adrenochrome's case or the spirit of the toad. Have you noticed, is there any difference between synthetic 5-MeO versus non-synthetic, the toad? So I, I've got to be honest here and say I, I've only tried traditional and the pipe that I've now got sat in front of me and looking at me, that's charged with a small dose of uh, synthetic. Uh, and because I've never tried it, it's only a small dose, I think four milligram in there. Um, so I, I've not tried the synthetic yet. Okay, from, that's what I'm, I, I guess from, 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 from Yeah, from, from people I respect, uh, and these are psychonauts, then I understand that there is a difference. But then there's other people who I also respect, uh, and they post about the science, and, and they say there genuinely is no difference. So until I've tried both myself and, and reasonably extensively, I, I don't know. Okay, well, I thought you maybe had had. So I, I've, I've always wanted to ask that question because, yeah, it's a very rare substance to get a hold of, and it's very rare to do you know, mm. both versions of it. So it's, I guess maybe in, uh, so I guess our final question is DMT, the, the next book, is it going to be about NN? Is it going to be about 5-MEO? Is it going to be about everything? What's going on with that next book? Um, we'll see where it goes. I mean, the way I'm feeling at the moment is I, I really want to continue pursuing this, this toad medicine. Um, 
it, it, I just find it so intriguing. Uh, it will certainly include some of my ayahuasca experiences, which, which I've, I've, I've got wrote up, but I really want to, I do want to return to NNDMT and I really want to try and do some, you know, what I consider to be me to be, you know, heroic doses. It's kind of like leave no stone unturned. And so I can say hand on heart, look myself in the mirror. You know what? I, I, I pushed it as far as I dared, you know, with my own sort of, you know. Well, that's what's fascinating is, I mean, yeah. I've got, I got three big, three big books in front of me right now. And I'm like, damn, if you haven't really understood what DMT at this point is, then uh, you know what I mean? Like I thought maybe five or six times that was enough, but damn, it's like six, 700 times. And I still don't know what it is fully. I'm, I'm still just scratching the surface. I'm, I'm, I, I can't, I can't wait to hear what the next book is about. Oh, thank you. And and I really want to sort of tie in those kind of like answer that question about who are the DMT entities. And I, I have come across, you know, from literary research, a lot of really good quotes, which I will tie into that work. And I'm still searching for other, other you know, um, good, uh, insightful information. And I, I really am excited to try and tie that into the next book. Fantastic. Is there anything else you wanted to say? I, maybe a question we didn't answer that you wanted to answer? Uh, um, no, but what I would like to say is a massive thanks to anybody and everybody who's, who's, you know, purchased my books, but more so, you know, hit me up with, with positive messages about it. You know, I, I, honestly, it's like people have shared, you know, appreciation with me and you can tell it's genuine and sincere, you know, when the start of the message with like, you know, I, I don't look, normally message people, but you know, I really welcome that. It's really encouraging to to pursue this for a, for another book. And I just want to say, yeah, thanks to everybody who follows and thanks sincerely to everybody who's bought the book or intending to purchase the book or, or has left positive um, review on Amazon. Massive thank you. Yes, and I know you get a lot of requests for podcasts. Uh, I, I have a special request for you. Uh, you don't have to, but... I have a friend, I've done a podcast with him. His name's Schizotopia. And I, I think he's reached out to you before. I know you you get lots of requests, but if you feel like doing a podcast ever again and, you, and you're looking for that right audience that's kind of in my vibe, in my wheelhouse, you're looking for a different, not quite psychedelic audience, I do recommend you do a podcast with Schizotopia. If you feel like doing another podcast, um, he, he reached out to me and he's a really good guy. So I, and again, I'm, I'm not asking for a favor or anything. I'm just putting it out there. Uh, I know you get a lot of requests, but uh, if you wanted to do a podcast with him, I think he has questions for you that even I don't have. Because right. I tell you, I, I, I know Schizo, uh, was it Schizopia? Schizotopia. Schizotopia. Yeah, we, we've messaged, we, we, we've, we've DM'd. Um, I, you know, Flo, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send some dates to Schizotopia today. I'll get that fixed up. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, he, he asked me, he's like, he's like uh, you know, you have an in with this guy. Can you please just ask for me? And so as a favor to him, I, I just try to spread that psychedelic love of we, want, we all want to spread the message of uh, these powerful substances and how they can change our lives and the lives of other people. So that being said, where can people support you? How can we support you? Where can we buy the book? Um, so I'm self-published, so it, it's all through Amazon. I self-published through KDP Publishing, which is an arm of Amazon. Um, unless you wish to buy direct from me, but I have to add shipping costs on posting from the UK. I, I do get a request for signed copies. I'm very happy to, uh, you know, oblige those those requests. But it's all on Amazon, physical book uh, or Kindle. 
And when I've got DMT and my Cult Mind 3 published, then I hope to work on audiobooks. I'm a big fan of Audible and audiobooks myself. So hopefully that's something that I can turn my uh, my voice to and um, hopefully that, that'll be available. But I, I don't see it being available for a few years yet because I'm, I'm just, just busy with my research. And well, I, 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 I have other... I think you're going to... I think you've finally reached the point where... I, I looked at the other podcasts... Not to say that my podcast is not big. I'm sure a lot of these podcasts are actually bigger than mine. But I think you're reaching a critical point where you your information has been out so long now. You've done enough podcasting. You're Graham Hancock famous. It's only a matter of time. I'm sure like I'm sure people like Joe Rogan and other people in the psychedelic community have come across your work, whether they acknowledge it or not. It's just too big of a target. It's just you're the only thing out there outside of like a couple trip reports on route or whatever however you say that name of that website uh so you are the definitive i think oh uh, source well, i tell you what you know what you know what people who leave positive reviews on amazon i, I love them because it, it it is so beneficial to me but i never read them um and i never look how many like views i've got here or there cause it, where when you're dealing with it, it's imperative you stay grounded so i really appreciate everything you're saying and it it kind of you know it it's going to make my coffee taste sweeter but i got to stay grounded man when you're dealing with these substances but it's really flattering to hear but it, it's kind of like uh makes me nervous as well you know cuz i'm kind of like incommunicado and behind sort of a, a mask and glasses but yeah, wow. I don't know what to say. I just, just, I'm, I'm here, I'm here promoting the substance and the experience and an esoteric interpretation of the experience. Well, that's what I like about you. That's, yeah. that, but that's the great thing is that it's not, it's not about money. It's not yeah. about, it's not about your ego. Look at me. I need to, you don't even have a website. You know what I mean? That's what I like about you. I'm kind of mm-hmm. the same way, except I'm willing to stick my neck out and, you know, I don't, floating's not illegal, but I still talk about all these other illegal things mm. and, I, and I encourage them. And so I kind of stick my neck out, but I'm, I'm not, I'm a little bit more out there than you are. And I do that very selectively because mm. I do value my privacy. I'm not really even concerned about going to jail. I think maybe that might be in the cards for me or anybody that wants to hold this energy that, that long and that much out there for the public. Not that I, I want to do that, uh, but you know, like the price of telling your truth sometimes is that, and I'm willing to tell, I'm willing to pay the cost to tell my truth if the truth is coming from a loving place. And I don't think I've encountered too much resistance in my message because of that, because it's coming from a loving place, because I'm not trying to rule the world, make a ton of money, enslave mm. people. I'm trying to do the opposite. I'm trying to give you via my experience, my truth, a possibility that may be floating, maybe DMT, maybe breathing a certain way can help you wake up, can help you make your physical existence on this plane of 3D reality better, but more so maybe you can use these tools, my experience, my interviews with you, other people to break free of the mental cage you're in and then maybe enlightenment, escape from samsara. I don't know. I don't know what's in the cards for everybody else, but once you get a certain amount of information that breaks you free from your old state of mind, there's no going back. And I'm sure that's the case for you. There's, you've, you've had an awakening. There's no going back. And mm. I think the truth of you telling your story is more important than the consequences. Mm. So, yeah, uh, yeah. Outside of your family's endangerment. You know what I mean? I, I, feel like yeah. you, I feel like you would be more like me if you didn't have those responsibilities of a child and, and, yeah. and paying the bills and a wife, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 
valid. Uh, and I guess I, I also have to say, Flo, massive thank you to you too for this opportunity. It's, it's, uh, I'll be honest, Dan, and I mean this, it, it's a podcast I've wanted for a while. So when you like, you know, you, you, you put that post out there, I was so excited, man. And uh, I well, so, they, oh my so God, enjoyed well, that, it. That means so much to me because I thought so highly of you that I didn't want to interview you just to interview you. I wanted it to be right. I wanted to have read the stuff. I wanted to have listened to the podcast. I wanted to have re-experienced DMT. And so all these things, especially the DMT part, wasn't coming together. And I said, okay, Dick will be around. Hopefully, like I said, like people were dying last year. People were killing themselves. I'm like, I can't interview this person now. Like the float tank lady just passed away recently. I wanted to talk to her. So I realized time is limited. I don't know what's going to happen to Mr. Dick Khan. I don't know what's going to happen to Float Universe. Maybe I'll get shut down. Maybe there won't be a podcast. So I wanted to reach out to you as a friend, as somebody I followed, as somebody that might, I, I was nervous. as worst things out there. We'd, we'd yeah. just no. do it again and it'd be even better. It's going, it's going, it's, it's, it's saving the last one still and we're still recording. So um, I don't remember what I was talking about, but oh, just you and your, your, your influence and you know, you'd be like me, I think more out there if you didn't have the children and the bills to pay and the responsibility of being an adult and having those things in your life. But I appreciate everything you've done. You have so many fans on Instagram. We've tried so hard to get you out there and you keep getting knocked down by the powers that be because your, your message is true and it's powerful. And I think that's why they want to shut it down. So um, pick up the book, buy it on Amazon, people. It's worth the read. It's a fifth dimensional object. You're not going to find anybody like Mr. Dick Kahn. I have yet to find anybody that has been, I mean, most people will smoke DMT probably less than 10 times in their life. And most people won't even have an opportunity to smoke DMT. Most people don't even know DMT exists, except for you, lucky, lucky, lucky listener. So (laughs) Dick, I know we got what we lost there. Uh, What we were saying before, uh, we were like two and a half hours in and my thing cut off. I wanted to just finish up with you. I wanted to again, tell you, thank you. Anything else you wanted to say before we go? No, just massive thanks to you, Flo, and and to everybody on Instagram. And I, I feel bad that I've been absent for, you know, 12, 18 months, and I've probably lost a few followers there, and I regret that. But, you know, when you're writing about drugs, you kind of like taking drugs, and, you know, I did get diverted with the ketamine a little bit. But, uh, yeah, thanks thanks for all the love and the follows. Uh, it's much appreciated. Oh, yeah, and I, I imagine, like I said, this is just the beginning of all of this stuff. I feel like... As I awaken, I can see that in the world around me. And now we're in this reality where psychedelics are becoming less and less illegal. You've got Mm. states where you can use psilocybin legally. Um, I see, I can see the future. That's why I'm here in this float center. That's why I'm helping people explore their consciousness. My philosophy is you, it's a do it yourself consciousness. I don't want to, uh, pollute you with my ideas. I want you to get in the tank and I want you to unravel the mystery for yourself. So I'm all about empowerment uh, from within. And I think you're also that way, very truthful person who has realized something very powerful that very few people uh, understand or even know about. So thank you for your commitment to picking up the pipe and doing what you have done because it takes an incredible amount of courage to do it uh, more than once and to do it six, 700 times I can't even imagine. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. Thank so you Dick, so much. Yes, sir. Everybody go check it out. Dick Khan uh, at DMT Researcher on Instagram. And you can pick up the book on Amazon, like I said. You've got uh, – now, what – is DMT2 still available or is it just the light? 
Yeah, so um, DMT and My Cult Mind Light was a, a replacement for the original DMT and My Cult Mind. So it's, it's a much smaller version. And then DMT and My Cult Mind 2 is, is the follow-up to that. And DMT and My Cult Mind 2, I'm really pleased with that work. I think um, it's got more experiences. It's got wider discussion and uh, it's the best work to date until yeah. I release book three. You know, not to be, uh, you know, as a person who is not an expert on reading or writing, but someone who likes to read i would say that the second one is much more refined like you 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 looked at your first one and said i'm gonna it's too wordy and uh you really condensed it and i like that uh and really the dmt light is really good too uh but dmt too you're you're right there's a different tone to it and uh it's much much easier to read than the first one and that's just i think you know it's your that was Mm -hmm. your first book and i mean you're not a professional writer. And that's nope. the other thing. That's, that's what I like. So I like stuff that is real. I like stuff that is like, okay, let's, I mean, not to talk about porn, but when I liked, when I watched porn, I liked, I'd rather watch the amateur porn than the glossy porn. <laughs> yeah. I want to see real yeah. people doing real things. Yeah. And I think that's why yeah. you see the popularity with YouTube and you saw like yeah. 20 years ago, reality yeah. TV, we want realness. And yeah. so I appreciate the realness of this book that it's not edited by an editor that tells you how, oh, you should put this or that. I like that it's just you, uh, raw and all. So Dick, thank you for your courage. Thank you for the books. And I will talk to you on Instagram. Everybody else, uh, I hope you enjoyed the show today. And again, you guys are all online and we'll see you on Instagram. And Dick, I will take you off the recording here. So let me just end the recording and we'll talk to you offline.